Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Connected from the dawn of the radio to the golden age of television, from Silicon Valley to the internet and beyond. A shared photo, a viral video, a thought for the whole world to read in the span of 140 characters. Entertainment has evolved, mediums have changed, but the one thing that's remained the same, the one constant, the one universal similarity is us, me, you, us here, the human connection. The feeling you get when you're surrounded by a sea of strangers, but somehow you feel like you know them all. It's that instant you realize you have something in common. That moment, that emotion, that split second when you say, man, that was awesome. Decades ago, the world saw the irresistible force meet the immovable object. And millions overcame the impossible as one. We saw a boyhood dream become reality. And together, we cried tears of joy. We saw the passing of the torch. As one generation christened the next. And that generation created a once-in-a-lifetime event. All these things, these indelible moments... These benchmarks that shape our history at their core do one thing. They connect us. Tonight, these men, these women, these athletes, these larger-than-life superstars will take the biggest stage in live entertainment. And once again, inspire us, move us, shape us. They will us tonight the world will be watching this is wrestlemania <laughs> open up the champagne pop it's my house come on turn it up uh. hear a knock on the door and the night begins Cause we've done this before, so you come on in Make yourself at my home, tell me where you been Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this Sometimes you gotta stay in And you know where I live Yeah, you know what we is Sometimes you gotta stay We don't have to go out. Iconic mania themes, if I do say so myself. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the series finale of Mania Madness. 
I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt, and Many of Madness is brought to you by the good folks at ChairShot Radio Network in conjunction with TheChairShot.com, reminding you to always use your heads. So Many of Madness has been the ChairShot's six-part anthology series, breaking down all 36 previous iterations of WrestleMania, six packs at a time. Today, we're going to be talking about Mania's 31 through 36. Before we get into all of that, I do have to let everybody know to go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and pick up an official chair shot t-shirt. Tis the season. This is why we do this. This is why you're here. This is our Super Bowl. This is our World Cup. This is our NBA Finals. This is our World Series. And whether you're going to be down there in Tampa kicking it or if you're going to be on your couch posted up like paint on walls while watching the peacock either way do it in style and you can do that by going to purposeandtees.com forward slash the chair shot and picking up an official chair shot t-shirt we've got something you'll like i guarantee it and hell if you type in the promo code wrestlemania you might get something off i don't know you won't but it's worth it it's worth a shot it's not it's worth a shot it's worth a shot anywho so to help me break down Mania's 31 through 36, that, I guess we'll call it the hockey edition, the one, the only, my personal consigliere, who uh, he had a stiff talking for me after uh, my meltdown on Potter's War this past week and some <laughs> of the things I may or may not have said, Mr. Dave Ungar. <laughs> Did I? Did I have a stiff talking to? I don't remember that part, Chris. But anyway, hey, man, how are you doing? I'm glad to be back here on this episode for the grand finale after taking a week off. You know, on the uh, I was a healthy scratch last week. I'm just going to say it. But uh, that's all right. <laughs> how do you like that one? <laughs> that healthy. So uh, uh, what is it? Uh, DNP coach's decision. Is that what you try to say? That's right. That's right. All right. <laughs> right. Somebody needed. We needed to send a message to this jobber. You, you sit this one out, Unger. <laughs> but I'm glad to be back here because this is the one that I really, other than the first six, I think the last six were the one I really wanted to be a part of because this is. These are all really personal to all of us involved in this episode because of just what we went through as we all evolved together during this block of WrestleManias is when all of the podcasts came into being. So this is going to be awesome go back down this memory lane that's not that even for an old guy like me i remember all this shit so great that's crazy dave I, you're right man this particular block of manias this is not, not only when we all became friends but when we started that this was the impetus for this whole chair shot radio network and everything that we got going on now so that yeah very astute point that's why we brought you back <laughs> after you got suspended for uh conduct detrimental to the detrimental to the team you know P peds and all, all about that <laughs> And speaking of PDs, well, he at least has one of these. The commissioner himself, Mr. PC Tuddy. Ahoy, ahoy, chips, ahoy, gentlemen. Great to be back. It's it's wonderful to get to this final voyage of this uh, trek we've been on here. So, Christopher Platt, cheers to you. You've done a fantastic job. And yes, Dave, if you want to blame anybody, send your hate mail to at it's me DPP. And last, absolutely, but certainly, but certainly not least. God damn, it's just good to see this Mellon Farmer's face again. Ladies and gentlemen, we needed one. I threw out the plat signal. He came at the beck and call, and I appreciate it. 
gentlemen. This is the man that actually got me into the podcasting game with a little ditty that you may remember known as the Wrestling Happy Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and show your love for super fan, but more important than that, my brother, Mr. Danny H.H. Hardcore Hudman. Speaking of conduct detrimental to the team, baby, I'm back. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, baby, it's good to be back. Four years. I was out, baby. I'm here. Let's do it. 31 to 36. I see PC Tunney over there. He's got his broken skull IPA. I'm drinking White Claw over here. I'll be honest with you. I'm trying to get ready for white or uh, hot girl summer. <laughs> I almost slipped up and said white girl summer. Hey. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, Tom Hanks' uh, son, he did say it was going to be a white boy summer, so y'all got that going for you. There you go. I kid, I kid. Danny, for real, man, it's so good to hear your voice and to see your face, man. Thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. So one thing that I like to ask everybody that comes on to the show, um, number one, what was your first Mania memory? And when you hear the term WrestleMania, what does that mean to you? You cut out a little bit there, Christopher. Oh, no, no worries, no worries. I was saying, um, so what, what was your first WrestleMania memory? And what does the word WrestleMania mean to you? Oh, man, WrestleMania. Well, let's start with what it means to me. I mean, for me, and probably everyone listening, I'm a Mark, dude. This is my thing. It's my hobby. It's my escape. It's everything. And so it's the pinnacle, I mean, for lack of a better term. it's. I mean, I look forward to it every year. It's the best, dude. It's friends. It's family. It's fun. It's pro wrestling, baby. I love it. And as far as my first memory goes, um, I was the youngest in my family and my older brother used to watch. We have about a six year age difference. And I can remember vividly like renting from this local video store, this wrestling match and this blue cage. And it was Hulk Hogan and this King Kong Bundy guy. And we had both the LJN rubber wrestlers, you know, to fuck around with. And that's like my earliest like actual non-live now fast forward a little bit wrestlemania 14 so i'm the same age as every wrestlemania so 14 i was 14 going into into my uh into high school there i was in eighth grade when mania happened and that whole tyson thing i can remember watching sports center and thinking what is going on tyson's gonna be at wrestlemania and then i remember watching a live wire on saturday morning man and I was so confused. I was like, man, this must be special. They're giving the exact time that Tyson's coming on. Because if you guys recall, they used to say 7.57 was when Raw started. I'm like, oh, shit, they're really telling you the exact. So, obviously, I tuned in three minutes early to watch a bunch of, you know, Chuck Norris TV shows. But, uh, yeah, 14, man, that was my favorite. That was my earliest as far as live goes. Number one, shout out to Walker, Texas Ranger, because I remember those days, too, before Raw came on. (laughs) You catch the last couple of minutes of it. And that Livewire show, that really was before its time, because they were kind of shooting a little bit on there, and they were kind of getting into the Internet, and I I think that was kind of the precursor for where we're at today. 
Yeah, I remember. Um, wasn't Michael P.S. Hayes named something else on there, and then like Vince Russo yeah, was on there. He was, it was uh, good it was, stuff. It was what Doc Hendricks and Doc Vic Venom. There yeah. it is. I need. And Russo that. was Vic Venom. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, Dave. Do you remember that show at all? Livewire. I think it was what ten o'clock on Saturday. Well. He's hardcore's in the Midwest, so it's probably nine his time, but East Coast time, real people time, it was ten o'clock on Saturday mornings on USA. That sounds familiar, man. They had a lot of weird shit on USA back in that day as far as like just superstar caliber sort of shows that were going on. Uh, of uh, I mean, I'm way older than you guys, so I still remember the days when they had like wrestling challenge and then followed up by wrestling superstars on Saturday mornings and you just get two hours of uh watching your favorites just squash jobbers man it was it was it was beautiful a beautiful thing I bet you Dave I bet you remember La Femme Nikita on USA though old man oh god yeah how about silk <laughs> how about silk stockings there That's you go, one. right before Red Shoe Diaries on Showtime. Oh, how about the, the how about the six million dollar man? Oh, that's going back even further. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, continue, guys. Go ahead. That's hilarious. But gentlemen, let's get into. It. We got a lot going on with these uh, manias, especially considering that most of us, three fourths of us, are here for damn near all these manias. So, what'd you say, Tony? You want to uh, play us some uh, some? transition music so we can get into it or you have nothing you want me to sing it for you please don't welcome to my house come on Tony I don't know the words baby that transition really music tied the room together, did it not <laughs> yeah that'll work so <laughs> Wrestlemania 31 happened out in Santa Clara and Gentlemen, this one is is special for me for a number of reasons. I guess all the reasons are tied together, but this was my first ever mania that I actually went to. So this was me popping my mania cherry. And the weekend, it couldn't have went more perfect. Like it, it, Everything about that weekend went absolutely perfect. I didn't have a lot of uh, expectations going into the actual card because on paper it looked kind of meh. But, I mean, goddamn did that show deliver. And I'm sure I'm a little biased because I was there, but when you talk about all-time great manias or even just my favorite manias, there's 17, there's 19, and I would throw this one in the mix as well because, I mean, like I said, not only did it exceed my expectations, it blew them out the water. And and Dave, I think you were here for this one as well, were you not? I was. This was the first one I'd been to since WrestleMania 9. Um, it's the first WrestleMania that my wife had been to. You know, She'd been to, like, SummerSlam, when you know Suplex City was born a few months earlier in LA, and then it was WrestleMania 31. That was the first one she'd been to. And yeah, this this card was um, I I would definitely say much better than I thought it was going to be, and I, I think a lot of that comes down to, uh, you know what we're going to talk about at the very end. I, I mean, I think and I think this is 31 is kind of important because it's it's almost the precursor to the big WrestleMania weekends. We're not quite there yet. NXT was did, did some stuff at the San Jose Convention Center for this event that you probably recall, Chris. It, it was, and and they had like, um, I don't know if you went to, um, what the hell, Access is the big fan event that they have, right? And so you went out there and they had the NXT ring there at the Convention Center in San Jose, and they actually had matches going on. And I, one of them was uh, uh, who, Juice Robinson. He was CJ Parker back then, right? I watched him wrestle in a match out there at the convention center, and 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 it was just 
you could see it happening here, and I know it probably was in existence like at 26 or even beyond that, but from my standpoint, going to this and seeing everything going on and just the fan interaction and, and the the depth of the, how they were getting the fans to interact uh, was massive. And, and, I mean, it's going to just keep going in a bigger direction from here. But, uh, yeah, 31 was great. I, I mean, you know, Sting, we're going to have to talk about his only WrestleMania appearance and, of course, the greatest cash-in of all time. Wait, without question. And I, I just remember that walk going to the stadium out there in Santa Clara. 70,000 people, and we're all walking towards the same it, it, it was almost like a pilgrimage to Mecca or something like that. I hate to use the religious analogies, but I mean, that's really what it felt like. Hardcore, would you disagree? No, no we. Yeah. I'll never even forget. We actually said that when we were walking together to the stadium. Remember that? We said this we, is we like did, going yeah. back. You know, yeah. it, it's just, it was the best, man. You you got to real quick, man. You before we get into the actual card, you got to tell the hillbilly Jim story real quick. All you right. Tell- so speaking of WrestleCon, I appreciate what you're saying, Dave, because I went to twenty, twenty eight, and then thirty one, and twenty eight had no sort of big weekend feel. Um, we just kind of stumbled upon a WrestleCon, but I had never done any pre research on that. Now it's the whole deal. You know, they got everything, NXT and everything. So we go to that WrestleCon hotel and we're staying there. God, there's so many stories i don't know what i can tell but the big one so christopher and his lady amber were uh coming to pick me up at the because you guys were at another hotel right chris nobody listens to this show you can tell everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we um so we flew in that friday in san francisco because you know it's like a like a 90 minute drive from san francisco to santa Clara. So yes. that first night, this was our first time being in the base. So we did the whole bo- boyfriend-girlfriend thing that night, and that was absolutely perfect. And then we drove to Santa Clara to meet up with you guys because I think we were picking y'all up to go to the Jim Ross show, right? Yes, and then we were going to go to Wall-A Mania. That's right. It was the Jim Ross show. And uh, so, there, you know, it's crowded in the front, like, circle part of the hotel picture. It's like a ranch-level hotel where it's real big and there's a bunch of different rooms and everything, convention center style, palm trees everywhere. It's so beautiful. So I said, Chris, Amber, can you come scoop us up? You know, we've been at it all day. Probably don't need to be driving anywhere. And so, Chris, they're about four cars behind, and I walk out. So I'm walking out so they can see me, and I wave to them, and I kind of give them one of these deals where it was like, hey, I'm right here. Just you got to wait in line, though. There's four more cars. And then I was like, kind of waved my arm into the other guy I was with, and I kind of pointed at him, and I go, do you guys mind if we bring him too? You know, trying to mouth it like, oh, no, mind if we bring him. And I see Amber like, what the fuck? Hell no, this seven-foot melon farmer with chicken bibs on you know he had the farmer everything and she's probably thinking what the fuck and i just see chris marking out like oh yeah sure enough it's hillbilly jim he was walking out the same time i was and he goes brother how how'd you enjoy the show brother brother and talked for 19 minutes you know him hall of fame speech and so i said well man we're going uh to the jim ross show whatever and he goes oh yeah i'm going i gotta get back to the wwe hotel you know i got an itinerary brother brother man and uh so I said, well, why don't we give you a ride real quick? And then a bunch of marks around like, no, we can give you a ride. And I was like, come on, Jim, you know, let's go. Sure enough, we get Hillbilly Jim in the backseat of this little Ford Escort rent-a-car, and he couldn't have been a nicer fucking guy. I mean, could he have been? 
No, not at all. He was just the coolest guy. And I felt bad because we literally have this eight foot twelve dude back in this like this mini ass sedan. His feet are up at his chin and shit like that. I felt bad. And then and my he, big Chris Farley looking ass sitting next to him. I mean it was classic. If you'd had a photo of it. Sure enough, he signed some eight by tens for us. Remember, I was like, Can you do a shout out video to my buddy? And he's like, Yeah, you still owe me money, brother. <laughs> on the video. Yeah, yeah he's got a great. promo on yeah, on one of your, your So buddies. think about this as a mark and that happens. I mean it was just a fun, epic moment. And he was cool. I mean, he worked us a little bit because he kept trying he was to tell us. on Amber hard. Oh, yeah, that was cool, too. I marked out for that. But he worked us a little bit because he tried to say, like, the hotel is right down the street, and we ended up, like, 20 minutes away. But it, he couldn't have been nicer. He, <laughs> he signed autograph photos. Like, it was, you know, it was a great introductory to WrestleMania. And then fast forward to the very next day we happen to run into him again in the courtyard of the WrestleCon Hotel and we're literally sitting there with him for like four hours. We're just sitting up there chopping it up, shooting the shit with Hillbilly Jim. And it's funny because I, I tell these guys all the time, Danny, all those stories that Hillbilly Jim said his, during his Hall of Fame speech, we heard all those shits three years prior. All of them. Out there at the courtyard. All yeah. of them. I thought maybe he was four giving... Hours. He just wanted somebody to listen. I thought maybe he's giving you and Danny quarters to go play so video games. Oh, that's right. Well, that would make sense because I've been trying. Okay, to still gonna, can't hear you when you say, "Oh yeah, I can't hear me." <laughs> he's going to come in and say something eventually. So, was he continuing to give you and Danny quarters to go play video games so he could talk up Kriba? <laughs> I'll tell you one story. Let me tell you this. One story that I heard, and I'll never forget that day. And you'll probably remember. Remember, um, Road Warrior Animal came up and was talking. And then uh, a couple other guys, Godfather, and he was giving big hugs. That was cool to see. That's a fun thing to see. For any of you fans that love the idea of WrestleCon and never been to one or have been to one, then you know that the, like, interaction amongst the actual boys, like the wrestlers. Like, I remember seeing Nash and Disco Inferno. I hadn't seen each other in five years. But I digress. The one story that Hillbilly Jim told us in that courtyard that I had later heard confirmed on, I think, maybe Sean Mooney's podcast back in the day was and Chris tell me if you remember this it was when he told us speaking of the rubber LJN wrestlers he said he got a check cut to him and Pat Patterson handed him a check and goes hey this is for those uh your toy that's out and you know hillbilly jim's like oh we got toys out oh shit brother it's the worst hillbilly jim impersonation but sure <laughs> enough that first check from Pat Patterson $93,000 and then he said those kept coming I remember that story, but I didn't. I didn't remember if it was Pat Patterson. I remember as one of the agents. I I, I couldn't remember who it was though, because he tells that story and he says Pat played a rib off him, on him at first, and he says, "Oh yeah, heard you got some gal pregnant." And then Hillbilly Jim, God bless him, he looks straight at me and Amber and says, "Now I don't mean no disrespect about this when I say this, but I looked at him and I said, not this Negro." <laughs> <laughs> And then he proceeds to go on and, and tell the story about the, the $93,000 uh, royalty check that he got off his toys. But, yeah, he could have been a nicer guy. What a moment, though. That was our that was our big mania moment back then. It, it was. It was. But we, we digress. I, I thought that was a good story. But getting back to this, this Mania 31 card, obviously at the time we all thought that this was going to be the coronation for Roman Reigns and he was going to conquer the beast and end up – obviously that – wasn't what happened a, a bonus plat fact 
that didn't get changed until halfway through the show. When Rock and Ronda and Triple H and Steph were out there doing their thing, they called all three of those guys, Brock, Roman, and Seth, into a room and told them, hey, you know, cards and now. But at this point in time, Roman Reigns might have taken Cena's place as the most hated wrestler in the world at this particular point in time for whatever reason. Dave, and we'll, we'll go back to the card, but I have to start at the top. Why do you think the Roman Reigns thing didn't work out? At this time. Wow. I, uh, you know, we've all been doing these podcasts for a long time. I remember the, uh, the conversation that was going on back then was everybody was complaining how Roman was being, you know, shoved down our throats and, and all that sort of stuff. And no one wanted to accept him for that. And, and nobody was going to accept that, that, uh, Hey, shut up down there. No one was going to accept the fact that, um, the guy who beat ended the undertaker's streak was going to lose to Roman Reigns. They just, they just, they just weren't going to accept that. And and that was, and I don't know. I mean, it, I think the the negative reaction to Roman isn't nearly as bad at thirty one as it was at thirty two. Thirty two is very hostile. Thirty four is even worse. But thirty one was they just. I, I I just feel like people didn't want to accept the fact that Brock Lesnar was going to lose to Roman Reigns. They didn't think Roman was ready. They didn't think he'd done anything to deserve. The spot that he got, uh, they wanted Daniel Bryan. I, I think a lot of it had to do with they wanted Daniel Bryan. Daniel, you know, the, the carryover from, um, you know, what happened at, at the Royal Rumble, where they thought D. Bry was going to go over that week. You know, after what happened the year before, they thought he was going to go over at 31. It didn't, or at that Royal Rumble didn't happen. Billy turned on Roman so badly that not even The Rock could salvage that situation. So. I just think a lot of that was going on, and it it, it was a brilliant move if they, if like you're saying, Chris, and I have no reason to doubt you, if they audibled mid-show and said, we're going to do the cash-in instead, um, that was brilliant because, I, I mean, honestly, the Rome, I mean, we're going to talk Roman Brock, that is one hell of a match, really, when you think about, you know, and that, and that match, I know everybody thinks that Suplex City was born at SummerSlam when he suplexed the Cena 14 times. It's actually born at this WrestleMania when he hits Roman. He says, Suplex City, bitch. And that's where it's born, is at this WrestleMania, not at SummerSlam. So there's a flat fact for you that you can tweak for your own use later on. But, um, you know, I, I think one of the things, like, I remember, like, you guys talking about walking up and in that bright sunlight and, like, being at Mecca. Man, I don't know about you guys, where you guys were sitting, but the first half of that show was hot as fuck because that sun was just kicking our ass. And... Let's be honest, as, as fond as we are of this WrestleMania, it wasn't perfect. Undertaker's match with Bray Wyatt was problematic because of his entrance in the sunlight. And it's like, ooh, this is the... But, I mean, that was the first time I'd ever been... Well, I take that back because I saw him at 9. But his entrance wasn't as iconic at 9 as it was at 31. So, uh, but, I mean, yeah, Roman, I just... I felt like people wanted Daniel Bryan because you remember the pop he got when he won that, that ladder match. I mean, that people were red hot for D Bryan still. And I, I just, I think they wanted him. They didn't want Roman. Roman had beaten Daniel at fast lane to get the shot against Brock. I think that had a lot to do with it. There was still so much love for Daniel Bryan. People didn't want to accept Roman. They thought he was being forced down our throat. They didn't think he should be the guy to beat Brock and off to the races you go. That's, that's how I felt about it about that sun goddamn because uh amber and i we were up in the nosebleeds and i swear to god it seemed like the sun 
had tickets right next to us. So I yeah, I I exactly I know exactly what you mean, but coming out of that mania, man, I was the darkest I'd ever been and I looked so beautiful with that glorious tan. It was on a personal level, I looked great. My hair looked good. I had a little tan on me. I'm I was ready. I was ready if I didn't get to go. But I agree with you though about the Daniel Bryan thing. I think Daniel got injured, you know, midway at the beginning of his title run. He gets back I think the fans all thought, okay, we're just going to pick up right where we left off. And the E said, well, no, we're going in a different direction. So I think that was a lot of the backlash. But, Tony, today's point, this was a hell of a match, Brock and Roman. And I kind of felt being in the building that the fans had started to turn a little bit when Roman, you know, started making his comeback. But this, honestly, this might be the best match that I've ever seen live. It was that good. Again, maybe I'm just a little biased because of, you know, it was my first mania and whatnot. But I just recall Amber, and she had only been a fan for a little over a year. She just turns to me in the middle of this match and says, wow, this is a really good match. Yeah, you know, I, you guys can speak to that. You were there. I know watching it, I felt like it was whether or not it was made mid-match or not, it was a great call because, honestly, Roman wasn't ready for this. Seth was. And the proof is in the pudding and what happened afterwards. Like, Seth had paid way more dues than Roman up to this point as far as traveling up and down the road and getting to know a lot of different styles and a lot of different people. Seth was the guy that was ready to go first. That's my opinion on it. You guys were there. Danny, I know you had something to say about being there and what was going on with this match. The heist of the century, if you will. Maybe one of the greatest WrestleMania moments of all time. Yeah, you know, that's why we call him Christopher Redwine. He looks so good coming out of that sun-bashed uh, seats of his in Niner Stadium. <laughs> Levi Stadium, baby. Uh, and speaking of those, can I tell you, we had literally 100-level, 50-yard line ticket. We paid a bunch of money because it, it was our first first one in a few years, and we're like, fuck it, let's do it. Let's sit 50-yard line, 100-level. So we get to our seats, and we're going, and I'm – Dude, for the fans who don't know what I look like, picture Chris Farley with more fair skin. So I was like, I'm going to get freckled up. I'm going to burn, turn into a lobster. We sit in our seats. The secure, or the uh, usher guy looks at our ticket and goes, see that C next to your 100 level? That means you have club seats. We get to go up into the club level, eat free shrimp, crab, free Captain Morgan and Coke. I mean, dude, we were having a blast. So I feel bad about the sunburns there. I really do. But I do want to say something about Brock and uh, and Roman. Um, I'm so glad. This is why I know you guys are good people. I'm so glad you love that match because I always call it my hipster top five, you know, because everybody's got a top five that's uh, – the obvious ones Roman and Brock at 31 is one of my top five mania moments matches whatever you want to call it ever I can I'll never forget him looking up at him with the blood dripping out of his mouth and it's like is this really happening are you really suplexing me 25 times and then when he said bitch what do you say Dave suplex city bitch I mean that was that was it and then another, to your point, Dave, you were talking about you hadn't seen Undertaker and comparing 9 to 31, obviously. That's that's impressive and awesome that you were even at 9. But what I felt about why it didn't click good at 31 is because it wasn't dark out. 
when his entrance came on, you know? That's that was the only everything else about baby I fucking loved and we'll talk about everything, but Roman Brock top five all time. I did want to throw out about Undertaker and I don't know how you guys felt, but thirty one was no one was really sure he was gonna wrestle until like the eleventh hour and then he shows up and he's he's gonna wrestle Bray. And everybody was kind of ner- I mean, I don't know how you guys felt. I was nervous about that match because the streak was gone. And I was like, wow, are they just going to start having him put people over? And and he won that match and, and that sort of thing. So that was kind of cool. But, I, you know, one thing about Brock and Roman, I think that, that goes, uh, I don't know about unnoticed, but undersold a little bit. Brock, and I don't know if Brock bladed or if he did that hard way, but that blood that he drew in that match really put that match on a different level. And this is something we've talked about, I know, on other shows. Blood for the sake of blood is just bullshit. But when you use blood effectively at just the right moment, it's a big deal. And this match was one of those examples as to Brock bleeding, you know, when Roman started to make that comeback and opening him up, uh, really made a big difference in this match. And just, and yeah, I mean, Roman's whole thing, like like Danny was saying, where he's just looking at him, smiling through the blood, taking a horrendous ass whooping and just saying, bring it. it, it did. It did have a lot. I mean, it, it made it, it made you know the match go off a little bit better. But I just remember that match just like going into it. Like, what are they really going to do here? Because the fans weren't really into either guy, and 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 they really weren't into Seth either. And you got to remember, Seth had just been victimized by one of the greatest RKOs in WrestleMania history a couple hours earlier in that in, on that show. And then he comes back and he cashes in in one of the in the greatest cash in of all time. I don't think you can even argue that. But uh, yeah, that was some stuff, great stuff. And I mean, I, I don't think you can't talk about thirty one and not talk about Sting. Well, let's get there. We're going to get to Sting momentarily. I do want to double back just right talk a little bit. I, I I looked and I looked and I looked and I searched and I searched and I searched and I tried. I. Gentlemen, I looked in the deepest, darkest—not the deepest, darkest parts of Africa. Shout out to Hakeem, but the deepest, darkest depths of the internet, trying to confirm my theory about this, and I, I couldn't find it. So I'm just going to throw the theory out here. I think that they told Rock and Triple H and Steph to go out there and kill as much time as you possibly can, so that hopefully this sun goes down, so that we can get these entrances. For both, not not just Undertaker, but Bray as well, and and so they they wasted so much time that eleven minutes actually got cut from the title match with Brock and Roman. I think that's what they were told to do because I, I do think that this match was really built on the entrances between Taker's entrance and Bray with the fireflies and the cell phones and this and that. And I feel like that kind of number one, you're coming off the Rock, which that's a tough fact to follow as is. But I feel like the fact that we didn't get those cool ass entrances because the sun wasn't all the way down. I think that kind of set the table for people kind of losing interest in this match. Well, I love your optimism, Christopher Redwine, but Vince McMahon knows that down to the millisecond where he's at WrestleMania, he knows where he's at in the house show. I don't know about that. I'd like to believe that, but your optimism is beautiful, and I haven't seen you in a while, and I love you. I love you too, and it's funny that you call me, you think I'm the optimistic one. That's hilarious. But what about the match itself, Bray? Um, in hindsight, I think it. I, I feel where Dave was coming from. Is Taker just going to be coming back, and he's going to be the jobber to the stars on the Chris Jericho side of the game? But in hindsight, maybe the right decision would have been for him to 
proverbially pass that for and let Bray win? I'm always a fan of good of good uh, torch passing, so I can't argue with that. Um, but who knows? I mean, I don't know. It's Bray's. He's the Jake the Snake to me. He doesn't have to be the top guy. And the Undertaker never did either. What did he win? Like, what did he win? Two titles his whole life? Or, I mean, two heavyweight championships? Taker? Well, I Taker's a seven-time champion. <laughs> but speaking I think of... Uh, lying. We need to fact-check. <laughs> fact-check, girl. Bring Amber in here. Anyway, <laughs> I never felt he had to be the champion because... I was sitting on my couch not knowing or every time I see a guy like Jake the Snake or Undertaker or Bray Wyatt, I don't even realize there's belts because I'm so entranced in what they're doing on my TV. That's what I'm getting at. So speaking of questionable booking decisions, Dave, we got to get to it. Everybody and their mom. Everybody and their mama was waiting for Sting to finally make his debut in WWE. He does at WrestleMania versus Triple H, which whatever. And then he loses. And even the storyline, I mean, the, the match itself, it was cool. They had a lot of smoke and mirrors there. I think we all popped when we saw the NWO and DX and all that good stuff. But he loses. Like, you, you just, it's like, you just got a Corvette and then you put rims on it. Like, what What? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're devaluing this property that you just acquired. I, I question that decision. I'll talk about why they made that decision, or at least what I saw, you know, in my research, but Dave, what are they doing here? And then they're, they're rehashing the WWC, the WWE-WCW feud that had been over for years, and most of the fans didn't even know what the hell a WCW was. Dave, what happened here, man? Why'd they do this? the last part is exactly why they did that that this was vince's way to put over his product over the flag bearer of wcw the holdout the stalwart the icon sting had never come here before he shows up he goes up against triple h vince's son-in-law and i you know i thought like going into that thing i thought for sure there's no way they waited this long to bring Sting into WrestleMania to have him lose to Triple H. Triple H doesn't need this match. Why would they do that? Ever since that match has happened and, and talking to you guys for all these years and doing my own show and, and being to all these events and just kind of, I don't know Vince personally, but I think we all kind of feel like we have some little part of his brain camped out that we think we understand, which we probably don't, but that's all right. But, you know, thinking about it now, it, it, it makes all the sense in the world to me why this match went down the way it did. That Vince wanted to say, damn it, I told you, we're always better than your ass. And this was the way that well, he put the, the exclamation mark on that. Go ahead, Danny. Well, Dave, let me ask you this. What's wrong with that? I mean, they won the war, baby. Why not bear the flag? Don't you think? Because they bore the flag like twenty years earlier. I mean, yeah, but what that... about if Sting? I mean, what if at the t who do I mean? Don't do we know if Sting at the time thought I'm gonna do a whole run or just this? I just want to be a part of this mania deal, you know? That's what that's where I'm coming from. Right, and and who knows? I mean, had the buckle bomb not been a disaster when Seth hit him with that buckle bomb, maybe you get a, something where he goes over at 32 over somebody and maybe that's what Vince was thinking and, and I don't 
like I say, we all think that we kind of have an understanding of Vince's mind, and none of us really do. But the thing about it is, yeah, Tony does. But the rest of us are fucking idiots. So, but the thing is that you know maybe Vince had a had a bigger plan for Sting, and it got derailed because of the match against Seth. I don't know. Maybe they were going to do Sting against Taker at 32, and we ended up with Shane instead, and we're going to talk about that. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to me why they did it. I, I still, I'm still like, Vince, you proved your dominance for 20 years. Here was the, the one guy who had held out this whole time. He came to you and said, is that door still open? You said, come on in. And then you have him lose to Triple H. And, and I mean, you talk to, you listen to enough stuff that Sting's done podcasts and interviews, and he's not real busted up about it, I don't think. So it, it's all good. And, and they did use that as a vehicle to get that huge DX versus NWO moment, which was a dream scenario for so many people that, that the match between Sting and Triple H was almost an afterthought. You know, it, had Sting come in five years earlier and done it, you might have had a different outcome. But, you know, he didn't. And, and I mean, and, and that's just the way it was. But uh, let's not kid ourselves. Sting, for the age that he was at that time, looked fantastic in this match. Uh, it was a, day, a much better match than I thought it would be. And I, I didn't have any complaints about the match. I liked Sting's entrance. Triple H, of course, his entrance kills everybody's other than Undertaker. And even that's debatable. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was great from the standpoint of just seeing Sting in a WrestleMania match. Really, you can't complain too much, a little bit. Not too much. And I feel you on that, Dave. I, I will complain about it. But the one thing that we do know about the Stinger, the only thing that he loves more than his family and Jesus is a paycheck. I think that's been borne out the last, what, 15, 15 years, right? Yeah, but you look at a guy who was never in WWE, like, why wouldn't you be? If you've never gotten to the golden goose of dropping unbelievably crazy gold coins from the scrooge mcduck swimming vault into your bank account you're gonna pick up every fucking check you can because you're the stinger and everybody wants you and i bet you a lot of those gigs that may not have been that high level for him were still pretty cozy and comfy for him he always got taken care of and he collected a nice check so kudos to him the worst part about it though is that five years where he we heard all these things like it was uh religion we don't know what what I don't know if they're going to do right by my character, all that. Do and you, I do wish those five years, it would have been fun. Let's just put it that way. I'm sorry to cut you off early, but I want to ask everybody a question. Do you guys think this is the biggest match we never got to see that we could have actually seen, right? Because there's a lot of shit where you think this guy against that guy, this guy against that guy, but we could have actually had this with both guys in very much enough shape to put on something very special do you think this is the one that got away no well yeah i mean a lot of those got away but they'll never be the number one stone cold hulk hogan for sure number one all time would have could have shit when do you I do mean, that I, though I, that's fine yeah. I, I go back to wrestlemania 27 remember all the vignettes before undertaker returned and everybody thought it was sting everybody thought sting's coming in had that been sting We've got an entirely different narrative going on leading into 31. I adamantly think you would have got Sting versus Taker at some point in time. You might even had Sting going for having a world title run because he still it would have been plausible at that point. But they didn't do that, and and that's unfortunate for a variety of reasons. And go back and listen to last week's Mania Madness, and we talked. 
possible match at 27. We 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 go in depth about that. So go back and watch that. Um, I think yeah, Austin Hogan. I think that's the no brainer. That's the biggest what if match that we didn't get a close second. I would put Flair and Hogan at WrestleMania eight. But um, just wrapping up here, WrestleMania 31. Shout out to Rusev coming out on a tank. It, it just it, it's like goddamn how the mighty have fallen. Like this Bella Farmer went from coming out to WrestleMania in a featured match versus John Cena on a goddamn tank to beefing in a Mickey with, Mouse uh, shirt nowadays. What the yeah. fuck? Beefing with Orange Cassidy. And then we hear about what happened on that tank. Goddamn, but I'll be quiet about that. (laughs) Is there uh, anything else that we need to touch on on this this media, Jim? Anything that y'all just are dying to get off your chest about this media? Yep, yep, sure is. Biggest pop. I've been to seven manias and my biggest pop. And the reason I got this here NWO tattoo, because of that night, man, I popped so hard. Like I said, club seats, baby. I'm eating shrimp, drink, drinking Captain and Diets, skinny pirates, brother. And I hear, I'm about shit myself, dude. I got a video I had to send you. I'm fucking like a selfie video and a fucking, maybe tears. I don't know. I don't want to admit it on fucking TV and here, but yeah, I mean, that was special. So that was all I want to say about 31. The only other thing about 31 that's important is Ronda Rousey and how this plants the seeds for what we're going to see in a few years. And this really got that going. That's that. No, great call. I agree 100%. I popped so hard for that, too. And with Rock, and it was just perfect. Now, speaking of planting seeds and things that would have, could have, should have happened, that segment at Mania 31 between The Rock, Ronda Rousey, Stephanie, and Triple H. That was supposed to set up next year's 32 main event, which they went to Jerry World. They were going to try to get 100,000 people in there, and the main event was supposed to be Rock versus Triple H at that Mania, which as much as that feud meant and as much as that feud helped both men get to where they're at, it's a damn shame that they never got that one-on-one Mania match. So this would have been perfect. They could have broke Hogan and Andre's record, Triple H versus The Rock. That would have been great. Unfortunately, Rock had some Hollywood shit. Plus, the last time that he wrestled, he tore his groin off the goddamn bone, and it got to the point where studios wouldn't insure him while filming if he was going to continue to wrestle. So unfortunately, we did not get that match. And I feel like this whole Mania 32 is built on the what-ifs. There were a lot of injuries going around. We don't have Rock. We don't have Cena. We don't have Daniel Bryan. It's just a, it, it just kind of seems snake-bitten. And I feel like they put the best card together that they could. Overall, I thought the show was meh, especially coming off of 31. Uh, according to WWE, they got 101,763 people in the building. Obviously, that claim is disputed, but whatever. That's what we'll go with. Gentlemen, I feel like this mania in particular because they were kind of low on star power it wasn't so much about the matches per se it was more about the moments you know we had Sean Mike and, and, and Mick Foley and Stone Cold coming out and stunning the League of Nations one of the greatest sentences I've ever heard in the history of the English language my god the rock has a flamethrower that, that just popped me that, that, that literally popped me when I went back and watched this shit. That's one of the greatest sentences I've ever heard in my life. And then, of course, he has the moment with the Wyatt family and John Cena 
Shaq and Big Show have a moment. Like, I feel like this particular mania was built on the moments as opposed to the matches. Plus, Dave, this was the first in a long line of marathon hey, And Snoop Dogg, Chris. And Snoop Dogg, baby. All oh, right, go ahead, Dave, with your question. No, you know I wasn't going to forget Snoop Dogg walking uh, the ball Sasha Banks out to the ring. Yeah, that was a hell of a moment as well. But, yeah, and we're going to get to that match because I absolutely love that match. But, yeah, I feel like, number one, this mania was built more on moments than matches, and this set a bad precedent as well. This was the first marathon mania. Like, this shit felt like it lasted. As a matter of fact, I logged the minutes while I was going back and watching this before Peacock absorbed the network. And, Dave, WrestleMania 36 officially lasted 26 hours, 2 minutes, and 34 seconds. 36 or 32? You're right. It is. Oh, 30. No, 30, 30, 32. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, were you were you at this one? Were you any of you guys at 32? Yeah, we were at 32 as well. Okay. Hardcore and so, I, yeah, I, I was I was at 32 as well. Let, let's 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 get into it a little bit, a little bit of the background. Um First off, Dallas, not the best city for WrestleMania. Uh, everything's in, there's nothing centralized. Everything's just spaced out. It's fucking Texas. That's a problem to begin with because you're just spaced out everywhere. And, and, and it's not like, you know, nothing's centralized. And it's just a pain in the ass to do anything. But also, this is the first WrestleMania where you've got the takeover going on the same weekend. And let's be honest, guys. The best show of WrestleMania weekend was not WrestleMania 32. It was NXT TakeOver Dallas, which was fucking fantastic. That was Shinsuke's debut with uh, Sami Zayn. You had Finn Balor, Samoa Joe. Uh, you had the American Alpha taking on the Revival for the titles. It was an amazing, amazing show. Uh, got to got my picture taken with Ric Flair. It was fantastic. It was me. It was, it was Gator back when he was around. It was my wife. We all went down to Dallas for this thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, and it was a. I remember remember getting into the stadium was a bitch that day. I mean, that was just a, a fucking clusterfuck of all time to get into AT and T Stadium. But once you they got were in, chanting. remember that day? Yeah, they were was, chanting, "Let us in, let us in." Ridiculous, and it's like, God damn, you guys have got to get this. But I tell you, man, AT and T Stadium is very impressive. And as a Washington football team fan, it pains me to say that, but it's true. AT&T Stadium is fantastic, and uh, it's like a city, self-sustaining city unto itself there. It was really awesome. Walking into 100,000 people was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, whether I mean, they had 100,000 these college stadiums are 80,000, whatever, yeah. but to see an enclosed place with 100,000, whatever it was, right. it was incredible. Whether whether they fudged the numbers or not doesn't really matter. There was a shit ton of people there. That's <laughs> That's oh, all I know. But yeah, it was it was a, a very long day. That's for damn sure. A very long day indeed. I learned my lesson that day. Don't sit down while the pre-show is going on. Get to the stadium, that's fine. Get in, but walk around, maybe grab something to drink, go take a smoke, grab a bite to eat or something like that. But don't sit down during the pre-show. Don't worry about the pre-show. You can go back and rewatch the pre-show if that you're that hard up for it. Because by the end of this night, man, I, I think we all thought the same thing. We were just all ready to get the hell out of there. Stop shitting on Ray That's Cash the in the pre-show. 
What did he say? What did you say? Yeah, last week, Ray Cash was on here, and he wanted to talk about all the dark matches. So I just say, don't shit on him in the pre-show as a joke. Shout out to Ray Cash, but go ahead, Danny. No, that's no. I'm just saying. Uh, it made me think, Chris, when you said that. Is uh, if you've never been, because we're. It sounds like we're all spoiled. We've been to a handful at least. Uh, but to anybody listening, if you, this is your first Mania, don't feel rushed um, getting in there for that because. I can remember being at 32, and it was like the Ryback was in a match or with the uh, Luchador. Kalisto. I'm going. Yeah. I am going to officially from now on in in perpetuity call him the Ryback. Is that what I call him, the Ryback? There it is, the big guy. <laughs> anyway, but like I remember that initial thing where you're like, oh my god. This is the most people I've ever seen in any place ever won. Oh, my God. Let it sink in. Don't get – you're at WrestleMania. Soak it in. This is great. And then, boom, you're so excited for that match. And then all of a sudden there's three more pre-show matches. Like, save it for the fucking Triple H and Undertaker entrances. So that's my advice to anyone who's never been. I Yeah, totally agree. Uh, so we'll start at the top here. I think, Dave, you're the one that alluded to this uh, last or earlier. Maybe it was Tony. I don't remember. One of you, Mellow Farmer, said this. But being in that stadium, and they piped out some of that crowd noise going back and watching it on the network before it moved over to Peacock and fuck Peacock. They piped out some of that crowd noise. Roman got booed out of that building. And not only did Roman get booed out of that building, about halfway through that match, the crowd completely turned on it and just tuned out. There were beach balls. There was a wave. There were just random ass chants that had nothing to do with the price of rice in China. Like it was just all bad. The beach balls thirty four, but there's not much difference. Uh, no, there were there were beach balls at thirty two as well. Over so. there, I, I yeah, I man. But yeah. here's the problem with oh, that. Oh yeah, match. raw after two. Here's, the raw after two and thirty two. Yeah, here, here's the problem with that match is nobody gave a shit about Roman, and, and I mean. You got to remember, you talked earlier, Chris, about people who had been missing. And you can't talk about this WrestleMania without talking about Seth Rollins blowing his knee out a few months earlier. He's gone. And they were just building up to Seth and Roman, and that was going to be a good feud. Seth gets hurt. They do like the mini, you know, game of death tournament at, at Survivor Series. Roman wins, beats Dean in the finals. Sheamus cashes in. And then they go through that shit. Roman wins the title and then drops it to Hunter at, at, the, uh, at the Rumble. Uh, but, I mean, the thing about it is nobody gave it. Nobody wanted Roman. They were sick. I mean, that's the thing, man. Triple H, when he got that massive pop at the Rumble, that was all you needed to know. There were far more people rooting for Triple H at WrestleMania 32 than Roman. The fans turned on it. And to make it worse, that match was too fucking long. That thing went on for, what, 30 minutes? Nobody cared. And... I, I mean, that was the biggest problem with that match. But, yeah, I mean, Roman was definitely not being felt by the people at, at that stadium that day. And I, you know, it's his big moment, one of his big moments, because he wins the title at WrestleMania. And I think that's the only time that that's happened so far for Roman is that that's the only time he won the championship at WrestleMania, right? Thirty. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it. So that was his big, big moment. And, and I, I don't know, you guys, did you stick around after the match, after they stopped sh sh filming, and it's him and the family, and, and Triple H is there with his family, and they're all in the ring. It's stuff the fans didn't see on the on TV. But, uh, you know, that it's hard. But the people were just not feeling Roman. 
at all that match. So, Tony, Dave, one thing you can I know. ask you something? Just, yeah. Dave, just... can I ask you? Uh, do you think it was thirty-two? Was one of the and obviously I was there. They weren't feeling him, and I think I started liking him because nobody was feeling him. But one and of the vibes I got, and we had discussed this a little bit ago talking about the long manias i feel like 32 was really the first long ass mania having gone to 28 31 and then 32 and then 33 34 35 and then this year i just felt like that was the real long one i wasn't giving a fuck for anybody after three hours yeah definitely that that was a really long show and, and you've been through you've been through a lot during that, that it, it, I mean, and it's, it's just not one of the best WrestleManias when you really think about it. From top to bottom, it's hard to find stuff that sticks out. The moments, like Chris is saying, it's the moments that matter. I still think one of the biggest pops, if not the biggest pop I've ever heard, was when Steve Austin came out at 32. And that place went absolutely nuts for him. But, you know, beyond that, it's just, it, it's just, it's one of those ones that it's like, it was great to be there, but... You have to really struggle. I mean, Zack Ryder winning the IC title was the most surprising moment of all. <laughs> so, Now, speaking of biggest pops that we've ever heard, WrestleMania 32 marks the return of the one, the only, Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon. And that pop that he got on Raw, oh my goodness gracious, obviously leads to the match with Taker. I kind of feel like Vince called an audible on this, and it was like all hands on deck and Shane, come on back. You know what I mean? We need you, buddy. We need you, pal. And that's how he got back in here because, yeah, this 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 card was dearth of star power because of all the injuries that went into this. Well, that sting pop on Raw was so hot because, I mean, in this day and age to get a natural, you didn't see it on Facebook, you didn't see it on Instagram, you didn't see it on chairshot.com, whatever, you know. That was a special moment. It's like uh, that and sting pretty much – as far as I can remember in the last however many years since uh, all the dot-coms and digital age aging myself here, but shit. Please, you're the baby on the pod. Shut up. But <laughs> Only in age. You ought to see my liver, brother. <laughs> Bad Touché, liver. Touché. <laughs> Liver's overrated anyway. But, yeah, um... I like a pickled liver. It's good for you. Here, I'll, I'll tell you the problem with this WrestleMania. You let it off with the biggest surprise and pop that was of the entire show. Zack Ryder winning that match for the Intercontinental for the Intercontinental Championship. Nobody seen that coming. I was literally in the Thunderdome with DPP and a dozen other people that are all wrestling fans. And ten minutes after he had won that championship match for the ladder match, they had to tell me to sit down and shut the fuck up. I was marking out so hard. I, I thought that was one of the, to me, that's one of the top 10 WrestleMania moments ever is Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship ladder match at WrestleMania 32. That's what happens when you start off with your biggest moment. Everything else fails behind it. How about that? Then his old man came in and ruined the goddamn moment. Remember that? <laughs> You guys, did all you fanboys up there in the 400 level pop for that, Tony? I was, I was, I was, no, no, no. There was no line for the bathroom where I was, and the food I was eating, you couldn't hold a candle to that. 
That's probably true. My my uh, alcoholic slushies were better though, and they should because I I should be because I paid sixty bucks for three of them. But uh, I gotta too? say that yeah man yeah man. But by far the best match to me on this card, and this is gonna be a theme going forward from here on out in regards to manias, was the women's triple threat. Well, number one, anytime you get a women's three-way, it's always going to be delightful in whatever context. But <laughs> but the women's three-way with Sasha Banks, the Queen Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch. This was, for my money, the best match on this entire card. I popped when Sasha had her cousin Snoop Walker to the ring. I love the pomp and circumstance with Charlotte and Rick. Charlotte wearing remnants of Rick's WrestleMania Mania 24 robe, which was his quote-unquote retirement match. Peggy Lynch didn't have much going on, but she was over at this particular point in time. But I thought these women went out, and it wasn't hard to do on this particular card. But, Dave, I feel like these women went out and stole the show legitimately. Oh, absolutely. This is the best match of the night. I I mean, shout-out to AJ Styles' WrestleMania debut against Jericho because that was a really good match as well. But this one was the one. And this is where they get away. you got to remember, the Divas title goes, you know, gets, gets put in the back burner. And the women's title gets reintroduced, and this was the match to crown the women's champion. And yeah, they they put in a hell of a performance. And I mean, Becky wasn't the man yet; she's still a couple of years away from that, so she's not what she's going to turn into. And my God, can you imagine if they did this, if they ran this match now? Holy shit! <laughs> imagine to, it, it would have to main event. It would have yeah. to. What what's bigger than this? I mean, yeah, Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky now would be bigger than Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda was. I Arguably, you could make that argument. I mean, Ronda's a big deal. But, uh, yeah, this match was the, the best match of the night by far. Uh, it had everything going on. It had, uh, you know, you had Flair involved. You had Snoop Dogg involved. You had the crowning of a brand-new but old <laughs> title, right? Women's champion has been around forever. And, 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 and going back to their roots and doing that. But, yeah, I agree with you, Chris. This match was the best match of the night. Uh, you know, what can you say? I mean, it, it was, it was, you got three of the four horsewomen in this match just tearing it up. And I mean, I, and, I remember on the preview show, I remember our preview show, I called Charlotte winning this thing. I was in the minority. Got it right. Because, you know, I'm great. That sort of thing. <laughs> Pop. No, no shame in putting yourself over. But I did want to, I'm, I'm glad you gave props to AJ and Y2J because this was a match. When I went back and rewatched the Mania on the network, I missed the network already. This match was a lot better watching it on television than it was there in the building. And I think the the, the reason why this match suffered is because halfway through the match, you look up the goddamn ramp and it's a hundred foot box of bootio was getting put up there, which kind of diverted everybody's attention from away from what was happening here in the ring. So I think it suffered from that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have to agree. I mean, and I mean, but shout out to the New Day and those, uh, was it, it the Dragon Ball costumes? Wasn't that this the event where they yeah, came out the Dragon the, Ball? Oh, yeah, the Dragon Ball. But, you know, and the New Day is right in the middle of their of their record-setting reign. And people forget they're still heels at this point in time, which is why they get their ass kicked by Austin and all those other guys. But, I, you know, I say heels because they were the biggest tweeners of all time, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I think that took away from that. But yeah, I mean, it's AJ Styles WrestleMania debut, and I, I, it's another one where 
you look at it's comparable to the Sting booking. You think, man, AJ Styles is here. Vince has finally got this thoroughbred that he's that he's you know I don't know if he knew that he wanted him for all these years, but he's got him. He's got to put him over Jericho. Jericho doesn't need this win. Jericho wins. Why? Vince's guy. Now I don't know about that because AJ is one of Vince's guys. But um, you know, it's one of those matches you look back and you say, oh, it makes all the sense in the world why it went down that way. It's the least one, and this is crazy to think about. It's the least one I remember watching live is AJ and Jericho. And I agree with you totally that it's a TV, watching on TV, because the storylines, it's Jericho versus AJ. But there were so many distractions. Like you said, I think that's a great point. I didn't even think about, I mean, 100,000 people, you got the bootios, everything. Because... I mean, that's the match. The storylines alone, dude. Jericho and AJ, that represents everything. Especially now, hindsight 2020. But even then. And just one more thing. I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Dean Ambrose versus Brock Lesnar. In the building, I was highly disappointed by this match because I expected so much more. I thought this was... I I didn't expect Dean to win, but I thought this was going to be his coming-out party. And he was going to come out on the other end, a bigger star, i.e. Stone Cold versus Bret Hart at Mania 13. I thought this was going to be one of those moments. It wasn't. But going back and rewatching for this series, that match was a lot better than I remembered it being. I, I was just disappointed in the moment on that particular match. That's all. Could have been a lot more. If Brock had shown any interest in this match at all, it could have been a lot more. But he didn't give a shit. I mean, now, to be fair, to be fair, though, when we, we see where uh, what John Moxley is doing over there in AEW, perhaps Brock was on the right side of history by saying, no, nah, I'm not doing that shit. Y'all, well, you need I to think, relax. I think John Moxley versus Brock Lesnar would be a much more interesting match than Dean Ambrose versus Brock Lesnar, even if it's the same fucking person you guys know what I'm talk, talking about. But, hey, you can't you can't ignore the fact that a record was set at WrestleMania 32, Chris. Quickest match ever. Move over, King Kong Bundy and SD Jones. We got The Rock beating Eric Rowan in six seconds. Special delivery. <laughs> ah, pop. That was great. And that was John great. Cena showing up as well. I mean, they, they that, you talk about the moments. Yeah, the moments. I was just going to go back to that, Dave. The moments. But that's what 32 is all about, the moments. And you know what? As a fucking Mark, I'll take the moments. They can't knock all the manias out of the park. That one, thank you for the moments, Dallas. And this is what I was getting at before pre-show. Now that we're talking about 32 real quick. Fans, everybody, (laughs) type into your phone. Go to Google in Dallas. Just type Nasty Boys Strip Club. They wrote a story about me. I was the only, the second Ryan Satin story to ever break on a pro wrestling sheet. Nasty Boys Strip Club. And, And Dave, can you read the headline? What's the headline say? God damn, I forgot about that. I love you for breaking that up, Danny. I got you. I took some notes trying to jog the memory this week, baby. <laughs> I mean, I remember there was a, they were doing, like, when we got Flair's autograph, and we went to that thing, he had that pre-WrestleMania party. Flair was there, Nasty Boys were there, Brian Cage was there, a couple of other people there. They were all really cool. But I remember trying to wait in line for Flair to get his autograph, and his people start walking through the crowd and say, Hey, for a hundred bucks, you can go to the front of the line, and Gator and I are like, "Fuck it, let's go!" <laughs> right? Hell yeah! So there's the headline. I don't know if you guys can see it on there, but if you type, it's the first entrance that comes up on Pro Wrestling Sheet. If you type in Nasty Boys Strip Club, and it says Brian Knobs, chop and 
by the way, Ryan Satin's from TMZ, so his first venture into wrestling. Brian Knobs chopping VIPs during WrestleMania strip club event. Sure enough, I was one of the two in the article. <laughs> the old uh, God, what it was it called? Buck Wilds in Dallas, Texas. It was the Buck Nasty Wilds. Boy yes. and Alexis Amora. The it was old the film porn act, porn- pornography, pornographic actress. And it was a yeah. BYOB strip club, which I thought that was weird. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a short little thing. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to read it. It's three paragraphs. <clears throat> Ryan Satin, TMZ, turn pro wrestling sheet, article. The Nasty Boys threw a raucous strip club party last night in Texas, and we got footage of Brian Knobs doling out chest chops to some of the men who were brave enough to attend. This guy. The whole thing went down at Buckwilds in Dallas, and it was everything you'd expect, including the Nasties getting handsy with dancers and yelling nonsensical stuff into the microphone. The best part of the evening, however, came when two dudes asked Knobs to give them chest chops. And the 51-year-old wrestler happily obliged. Side note, only one person was kicked out of the event for being too drunk, surprisingly. And, no, surprisingly, it wasn't you. Because <laughs> I'm a motherfucking star, boy. <laughs> Speaking of moments in Dallas, Dallas was all about the moments. And we need to take a moment to pay a couple of bills. You are listening to Mania Madness on TheChairShot.com. Hey folks, listen up, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Pins, stickers, illustrations. angrylemonade.net. This is my yard now. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Welcome back to the final edition of Mania Madness. PC Tunney here. Make sure you're checking out Chairshot Radio every single morning on your streaming podcast app, 5 a.m. Eastern. Every morning, brand new content from the likes of Christopher Platt, Dave Ungar, myself, and a rotating cast of others every week, daily. Chairshot Radio Network, thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Speaking of use your head, I use mine, and that's that particular story that Hardcore just told. That's why I don't fuck with Ryan Satin till this day. Because I didn't like the tone and tenor of the story. I I felt like he wasn't laughing with my friend. I felt like he was trying to laugh at my friend. And I said, fuck Ryan Satin for trying to play my friend. (laughs) So to this day. Yeah. If you're going to do that, show me the fucking money. If you're going to do that, Satin, show me the money, baby. TMZ. (laughs) Show me that TMZ money. And I was, Chris, and you'll appreciate this. I was going to tell the story from that weekend, too, where... While this is all happening, Virgil's sleeping on my couch in my hotel room, but I'm saving that one for the book. I was about to say, how do we not... 
goddamn, that's a great tease too. Because I'm like, why the, how the fuck did we not bring that up? But that's oh, for the yeah. book. Virgil's sleeping back at the hotel while we were with the nasty boys. I mean, what a weird fucking night. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, just for, that's uh, for the book. We gotta get to what thirty three. We at? We we gotta get to thirty three. Just real quick, I I do have to say this, man, because I remember we we were texting that we because we flew into Dallas Friday and we were texting that whole morning while we were coming in. You guys were already there, and I'm at the airport, and I get a text from you, dude. We just ran into Virgil, and I turned to Amber and I said, "Oh shit, I need to say something." So as I'm texting you, do not let Virgil stay in your fucking room. I get the text coming in, dude. Virgil, stay with us. <laughs> but anyway, we got to get in. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Let me put that out there. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Gave us some cash, signed whatever. He wasn't, he wasn't too happy when we rolled in at uh, Mania Morning Sunday at 4 a.m. after that strip club party, though. He was not happy about that. I said, this is my fucking room, Virgil. That's the weirdest thing about Virgil. Because you think, you know, because he's so kind of out there, but doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't do yeah. drugs. Yeah, and I want to put it that. out there on all my experiences with Virgil. He's a great guy, so don't believe everything you read on the internet. Anyway, 33, so, baby. Orlando. Speaking of things that you uh, read about on the internet, Dave, you've been to multiple manias. Danny, you've been to multiple manias. You know just being out and about in that atmosphere you start to hear rumors about things that are going to happen at the show. You know, what matches are going where, who's coming back, who's doing this, who's doing that. And one of the biggest rumors that I heard that weekend, excuse me, was that the Hardy Boys were making their return to WWE. And, Dave, we talk about Road Warrior Pops and all that. When the Hardys came out in that fatal four-way ladder match for the tag titles I, I think that has to be the loudest pop I've ever heard live in a venue so you were at 33 I was not at 33 this was one I was not at but as far as like I there were like you were saying Chris lots of rumors that the Hardys were coming back and and it was complicated by the fact that who were they signed with at the time, weren't they with Impact or something? Or Ring of Honor? Or I, I think it was Ring of Honor because they had a ladder match the night right before Mania. It was a ladder match with the Young Bucks. Was it Impact? It was It was, It was. was one of those, but they had a ladder match because they had somebody's belts, and they had a ladder match. They did the, the WrestleCon. They did the WrestleCon tag match because remember you saw them the next morning at Starbucks at the, Dal at the Orlando Hotel. So they no, just did that one-off WrestleCon show the night before. They might have done an ROH too, but I'm Pretty sure, Tony, you might know. I thought they were Impact. And he was doing Delete and all that, remember? Yeah, he was doing Delete. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I think they were the, the champions, and I think they dropped the belts to the Young Bucks at that show. Am I mistaken? Oh, okay. And, I, okay. and I saw them that Friday, not the right. Saturday that they did. Gotcha. I saw them the, the day before. That. And it, yeah, and it just then. seemed like it seemed unlikely that they would drop the titles one night, sign with Vince, show up at WrestleMania the next night, uh, so no one was really expecting that, but here they are. And yeah, that was that was one ridiculously huge pop. But 33, I mean, other than the Hardy Boys, the freaking set, that unbelievably long ramp, the roller coaster along the top of the Citrus Bowl was ridiculous. Uh, that was that's probably, in my opinion, the greatest set of all time for WrestleMania. As far as anything I've seen, it's like that's nuts. But, uh, yeah, the Hardys coming down that long, long rampway 
that shit you could land a UFO on that fucker it was so long I mean it was that was long 75 yards somebody said it was Jesus. about 75 yards from top to bottom I believe it and can you can you was... imagine can you see what orange fuck what uh, Darby Allen on his skateboard going down that bitch now would just oh you... dude <laughs> how great would that be though oh shit fantasy booking in this mother hell yeah you fucking catch an edge at the end of the Hey, you never know. Tough. We're back in Florida and the forbidden door is open. Sorry, right. it's a review show. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so during this time, like I said, we had been to 31, we'd been to 32, we'd been to 33, and our seats progressively got better every media we went to us. So I think here we had made it down to the 200 level section, <laughs> even though those bitches were hard and uncomfortable as hell that damn citrus dome man it's set up like a like a high school stadium really this is the mania that we sat with rebel remember that our buddy rob shout out to rob hockman he's a great guy he does like uh he'll get stars for wrestlecon and things like that i'll make it quick here but he had rebel and we were at kevin nash's party shenanigans the night before in orlando like in the district where everything's a fucking tgi fridays or chilies like there's no local joints in this in the orlando area and he had a party there and we're like rebel you want to go to mania tomorrow and she's like yeah and this is she was impact then i don't even know if she was still working at impact but you know rebel not reba from aew and sure enough, uh, me, my buddy Opie, my buddy John, and Rebel sat in the 100-level, 25-yard line. Crazy time. She was a sweetheart, though. And I remember her watching the women's match, and I felt so bad because me, John, and Opie, every time there was a women's match, we'd go have a beer and a cigarette accidentally. So I felt bad about that. Accident- but anyhow. Accidentally. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my I don't know. It's a cancel culture. Dude. Trust me, my, no, no. I got a new bathroom match for you this year. It's whenever Pizza the Hut shows up on WrestleMania. <laughs> Who's Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs? Think about it. Let me think about it. Pizza the Hut. Nia Jax? Hold on, let me think about it. Shaman? Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> he said Pizza the Hut. Sheamus? He's got spiked hair. I'm going to stop uh, guessing. Chris is accusing me of things now. <laughs> you said it, motherfucker. I didn't accuse you of shit. You said it. <laughs> I'll put it to you like this, man. It's a rematch from WrestleMania 33 in which one of the combatants was accompanied to the ring by a sperm. Y'all don't remember Randy? Yeah, Orton? I remember. I remember. Sperm yes, yes. Right yeah. down the snake yeah. coming down. The, yeah, it's yeah. the first. It's the first year they did that shit. Too. Oh, so you're saying like burnt pizza the hut? Now <laughs> it makes sense. Now it makes sense. You should have said burnt pizza the hut, Tony. But I got you. I'm here. We're Midwest boys. Wisconsin, Chicago. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know it was supposed to be a snake, but that shit was a sperm. We all saw it. We all know what we saw, right? Disappointing match, by the way. That They had all that weird shit. They had the maggots, and they were doing too much. They were just doing too much. Um, match-wise, Jericho KO, Festival of Friendship, that's one of the greatest things I've seen on Raw in the past 10 years. I don't even think it's uh, debatable, right? Hey man, how that about, was excellent. How about Arn Anderson coming out and you know like 
backhanded complimenting Kevin Owens and saying how he was a bitch back in the day to work with, but saying that he's happy for him and he's glad he's... You know what I'm talking about, Danny. Or maybe... Yeah, I'm an Arn guy. He's kind of learning his ways, isn't he, on that pod? Shout out to Arn. I mean, ask Arn anything. I'm getting up there as my favorite of the week. I think JR is number one for me at this moment. But anyway, yeah, he, he's the king of backhanded compliments, isn't he? Big time. That's a, that's hilarious. Uh, moving right along, Brock and Berg. It was it, it didn't overstay. It was welcome. It wasn't here for a long time, but it was certainly here for a good time. It was wham, bam, thank you, Mr. Berg, and we getting up out of here. But the intensity, the feel in the arena that night, and it, I, I thought that was a great match. Like, I think they learned from their mistake at WrestleMania 20. If you're going to do Brock and Berg, that's how you got to do it. So all you motherfuckers keep going all these WrestleManias, having a good old time. Anybody can go to a WrestleMania. But I was at the fast lane before this WrestleMania. <laughs> I can't even do it with a straight face. This is the only thing I could do to participate. I was at a show. And Kevin Owens lost the title to Goldberg, which set this up and everything else, right? But the thing that, and I've, I've told this a million times, it's the only thing I can do tonight. I've loved listening to you guys. The three of you telling your stories from WrestleMania is making this one of the best we've done for Mania Madness. And I, I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. But when I was in attendance for this, they flashed Jericho's Titantron before they went to the final match. And everybody in attendance knew. And I think they did it on purpose because they wanted everybody on social media to tweet it out. Here's Jericho. Here we come. But nonetheless, even at that time, Roman Reigns was the thanks for coming, good night everybody guy at the end of the show. So that was pretty cool. Um, DPP and I were there for that. That's all I got continue on this festival of fun that you guys are having because I'm thoroughly enjoying listening to your experiences and, and all the experiences you guys have had. By, by the way, Danny, they don't realize that Pop is over right now with the chair shot, and I don't think I've ever told them that I stole that from you. Oh, wow. Well, pop, just kind of singing a pop. Are you yeah, uh, Danny, pop. Danny, are you the Iron Sheik to, to Christopher's Rock with Jabroni? Yeah, I was gonna break his leg because the guy in Minnesota told me if I Fuck break you his make leg, make your break your back, Chris. Make you humble, you yeah. fucking jabroni. I bitch. make you humble. Shout <laughs> out to Young Rock, so good. If you're listening, that is. But Dave, I saw you had the mic to your ear, to your mouth, man. You had something you wanted to say. Go ahead and get in here, man. Your thoughts on uh, Mania 33? Well, I mean, you talk about Goldberg and Brock, which I thought was fantastic. Five minutes of fury. You're exactly right. That's how the match had to be done. Uh, they they built up to that really well. Brock had done everything to put Goldberg over, including getting his ass kicked by him at Survivor Series, getting eliminated at the Royal Rumble, and then going into this match. And, and, and you knew at some point Goldberg's going to pay Brock back for all this, and this was the match that did it. But it, it was great because, yeah, I mean, even in defeat, Goldberg looked good. You know, it took how many different suplex German suplexes to wipe them out and F5s and all that sort of shit. So I, I actually really liked the Goldberg-Brock uh, Lesnar match. Beyond that, though, 33s, I would say, better than 32, significantly so. But it, 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 it's, it's hit and miss as well. I mean, I, I, I think 
the uh, AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon match is a little underrated probably because I absolutely love that match. And, and, man, that's another one where I was really fucking nervous that they were going to put Shane over in that situation, and it was going to piss me off to no end. But, nope, AJ put him down. And I and all was right with the world. But, yeah, you're right. Owens-Jericho was a really good match. Um, they ran it back at Payback a few weeks later, and, and Jericho won the title back there. We were at that event because that was in San Jose. I remember that one well. Um, I think the thing, I mean, in the Hardy Boys you talked about, the women's fatal four-way elimination match that had so much potential because you've got Bailey, Charlotte Flair, Nia Jax, Sasha Banks, fatal four-way elimination match. They don't even go 15 minutes for this thing. And I always thought this was a big, big miss by Vince at this event. That match with those three, four women involved should have been so much more. I mean, they could have... They could have easily beaten what they'd done in Dallas a year earlier, and they just didn't. And then they water it down with the other, on the other side, the SmackDown title, the six-pack challenge, uh, was garbage, to be nice about it. Yeah, that four-way, that was my smoke break match. With all due respect to those women. And that's it what shouldn't have been. There. And it shouldn't have been. Yeah. And the six-pack, shout-out to Naomi, getting that win in front of her hometown. That was cool. That was um, cool, but that match wasn't. No, <laughs> That's no, all I'm no, saying. no, 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 of course not. But Cena, Nikki, Miz, Maurice, I love the build. The match was what it was. We knew it wasn't going to be Luthez versus Danny Hodge. We knew that going into it. It was cool for what it was. It was a storyline-driven match. It was a way to get Cena on the card. Hey, and... pop Luthez reference. Nice. That's how and, that's used, huh? That's how that, that that's how pop is used, apparently. Seriously, really? You just gonna give me shit about this, right? Where he doesn't mind, you don't mind, do you? You, you don't mind, but uh, <laughs> but and, and you know, watching this match and watching this storyline play out, and I'm at Mania with my lady. Of course, she was emotionally invested in this, and it it was a cool moment. It, it was what it was. Dude, can I? I gotta tell you this, and I mean, anybody who listened to the Attitude of Aggression back in these days, know my wife despised this yep. moment because yep. <laughs> she hated the proposal so much because she thought it was such bullshit everything about it it was so transparent that it was bullshit and she was right because it was um i i just thought this is dumb you know you it's, it's just it's such a surprise we got everybody in the front row it's like what the fuck is going on this is not a surprise at all and it was so badly telegraphed what they were going to do and i just i mean there were so many of us who hated it if Amber loved it, that's great, Chris. More power to her. But I <laughs> my my wife just was like, and you've met my wife, so you know she's going to be cynical as fuck about some of this stuff. She's like, no. But anyway, I, I mean, and I documentary on the net. Uh, I was there at thirty three, but I don't remember him being like so shocked that his mom was in the front row. It's like, it's <laughs> come on, man. Oh my god, my mom's here. Yeah. Because I'm going to propose for $10,000 and never marry her. Duh. Well, Amber loved that match and that moment and that whole story for reasons that I'm not going to get into because I'm not trying to hear that shit. Now, speaking of it's earlier, I saw... Seat, baby. Now, <laughs> speaking of um, when you're at Mania's, you hear rumors and things of that that are, that are happening or that may happen. The biggest thing that I heard that weekend other than the Hardys was that not only was Taker 
and Roman going to go on last, but that Jim Ross was going to call that match, and that was going to be Taker's last match. Now, in my heart of hearts, I believe that Taker believed that that was going to be his last match. Wasn't his best performance. You guys talked about that ramp. I'm thinking to myself the whole goddamn time, and I turned to Amber, how the hell, this is coming off his Rumble appearance as well, how the hell is Taker going to walk his old ass down this ramp? <laughs> we'd still be to waiting get to for him. This ring. Yeah, right now, we'd still be waiting, yes. Slow as fuck, that's how. Soak it in, baby. I wish I had I wish a bell. Was... Ding, ding, slow as fuck. <laughs> Right. I wish it was I wish it was nine months long. I mean I was soaking that in him walking down like that. And Chris, I did believe that was the end of it. And that's probably the first mania that I stayed till like there was like only like fucking eight thousand people there. You know what I mean? I was like, This is I'm soaking this in. No, it I should have been Danny. It should have been thing. his last match. It should have been. I, yeah, I was there until they turned the lights out, and I was still there after that. And Dave, you're right. This should have been his last match. I mean, technically, it's a good way to go out because it clearly he clearly didn't have it anymore. But I can also see why you didn't want to go out on that note too, Dave. I mean, I, I get yeah. both sides of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if he'd been at his at at top physical shape, and he still lost to Roman, and even if it looked the same. For the most part, I mean, there are parts in that match that Taker, and you can watch the whole Last Ride documentary and, and get it yourself, because he talks about why that match bothered him so much, why he didn't want to go out like that. And, and that's almost, in, in, in a roundabout way, respect for Roman as well. It's like, man, I don't want this to be, that performance to be my last match. Um, but, you know, the problem is that all that stuff notwithstanding, when you take your hat off, you leave your you, you leave the cape, you leave the hat, you leave the gloves in the ring. That's got to be the end. And they, and I, I mean, I remember leading into um, 34 when Cena started calling out. And we're about to get into that. And I, I mean, I specifically remember being with Tunny, being with you, Chris, being with Greg, even talking about how much of a, of a, a disservice it would be to bring him back and basically shit on what happened to 33 by just ignoring that. And, I think if you, when you watch this match back, and then you can skip to the end of the match after Roman puts him down, and the respect and the love that the crowd gives to him, that he gives back, and yeah, and you're probably right. He had every intention of walking away, and then after he got healthy and looked at it and said, "Fuck that, I can't, I can't, I can't live with myself that that's my last performance." Vince needs to. Yeah, I think after watching the final the ride documentary. I think after watching the final ride documentary, you understand hindsight now why it didn't end up being his last, but storybook ending, which we all want, comic book ending, which we all want, that would have been the best. I mean, to allude to your fact, folding it up and putting it in the middle of the ring like that, that's that's it. And, yeah, I'm a traditionalist as well, and I feel like that should have been it. That was perfect. But I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't pop and I didn't get excited with the whole Taker-Cena build next year, which leads us into WrestleMania 35. And I guess we'll just start there. Cena and Taker. So this is another one of my uh, wild theories here. and You guys can let me know if you feel this. Because this build has gotten a lot of criticism, especially since it happened. And honestly, I feel as if this was a match, Taker and Cena at WrestleMania, where 
everybody had been looking forward to this for so long and it had been such a Wrestlemania dream match for so long that there was no way in hell especially with Taker's dwindling physical capabilities that it could have possibly lived up to the expectations that Taker versus Cena would have had so I feel like this was the best way to do it you you play it off okay is he going to be there is he not going to be there and then by the time he comes out you're just so excited and just so happy to see Taker that it doesn't matter and ultimately it ended up basically being a squash match and shout out to Cena for that as well because other than Rock and maybe Flair I don't know how many other top guys would have went out like that like he got squashed I just remember the build up to this and everybody thinking it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I, re- I remember, like, Dave, we talked about this coming into this show. Like, and, and Danny and Chris, you guys too. We, we All our shows started at the beginning of what we're talking about now. And right about here, we're all feeling like we got a little bit of control under what we've been doing, right? And I'm like, every time I get on the DWI podcast, I'm like, this match is happening. Just, I just want your thought. And, and DP would be like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. But wh- what? how did you feel when you were doing Attitude of Aggression back at this time, Dave? About this match? Um, I I felt like there were so many moments where I felt like for sure this is going to happen. When Cena really started to go in on Taker and get personal with it, and, and you just got the feeling like he's not going to call him out like that and there be no answer. But then you kept going, and there was no answer. And And... and and to the point where Cena shows up at, at New Orleans for 34 and he's in the crowd drinking a beer and hanging out with the fans and stuff like that. And then I remember early in the card, somebody jumping over the railing to go to him, whisper something in his ear. He's like, what? And he takes off running. And you're like, oh, shit, the match is going to happen. And then he gets in the ring and then Elias comes in and ruins it. And then Cena beats the shit out of him. And then you just think. Well, maybe it's not going to happen. What the hell are and you and the whole time I'm thinking, what the fuck are they doing with this? So, and then he walks up the ramp, and then he stops, and then you hear the gong, and it goes off. Um, yeah, I. I it was kind of cool. I mean, I like the fact that Cena kind of you know just put Taker over as good as as strongly as he could. But I think all of us who had wanted to see that match for so long, once you realized it was going to happen, you thought, let's at least get a competitive match out of this thing. But, you know, Chris Platt and I didn't care because we were on Bourbon Street partying down the night before, hanging out at, at whatever bar we were at, uh, meeting up with Danny at some point in time along the way. So we didn't give a shit at that point. So I want to let everybody know that I sent Chris down to this WrestleMania on a mission to interview as many people as he could. Is this the one, right, Chris? You got multiple this interviews. This is the one. And you sent yeah, them all back one. to me, right? And, like, I thoroughly remember this, and you did a phenomenal job, and we got a whole bunch of good shit. Uh, Danny, tell me about your perspective here, too, because you, you were a partaker of this as well. Oh, yeah, brother. Let me tell you something about Bourbon Street. Oh, yeah, I brother. You dig it. It's hardcore Hunman from the former ah. wrestling but i remember uh and i told dave dave and i thought maybe we remembered there but fuck it's new orleans man how are you gonna remember who the hell you meet in new orleans you know what i'm saying i had a fish Street, bowl, three in the morning why not the time and their mania moments are way different than mine 
I was in a suite at Mania, and I don't even yeah, remember yeah, the end. I we, was so dragged out. But I do remember we, about... We remember our moments. That's surrounding me on Bourbon Street, and a little skinny gal with tassels on her nips. Can I say this story? You can say She's whatever tassels. you want. Please say this story. And then the fans get louder, and then I start doing the yes chant. You know, it's a fucking mania weekend. Everyone around me is in a fucking Mark shirt. So, You're doing the Hogan ears too. Don't forget that. That's how you got the crowd hype. You was doing the Hogan ears. Yeah. Start doing the Hollywood Hulk Hogan, brother. Dig it. And then, boom, she slaps me uh, eight times with a leather whip. And then the crowd was popping so hard because I was selling it good, you know. And then she goes, all right. So the last two, she whips out a wooden pallet, smacks the fuck out of me. I had red buns for days, boy. And then I remember walking off high five and Chris, and I was like, man, I ain't got no cash. Give her some money. We put no, 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 no. That's not what you said. You uh, didn't say none of that uh, shit. You dead. sat there and got whipped ten times, and then you looked at me, and you said, Christopher, pay the woman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, lady, money's on the table. Get out. <laughs> I'm like, cost the table, whore. <laughs> but what am I going to say? You know what I mean? What can I say? I'm a I got to say, man, New Orleans is the greatest WrestleMania city that there is. With the with the except when they go to Vegas, it'll give it a really, really strong run for its money. Amen to that. Oh, the day they go to the Vegas is the day I two days after I write a will. Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's Honestly, my last will and testament. I'm going to Vegas for Mania. <laughs> yeah. See you, bitches. <laughs> For my druthers, if they just alternated every year between New Orleans and Vegas, I'm good. I mean, both of those cities are perfect. Everything is in walking distance. You know what I mean? Everything is right there where you need it. You don't have to drive anywhere. They're, those two cities, they're they're perfect for manias. You think I'm getting older. If, if it starts alternating between New Orleans and Vegas, hello, Peacock. Yeah. I'm done. Dude, if you think Bourbon Street was <laughs> bad, wait till you get on this strip. WrestleMania weekend, it's gonna be yeah. fucked up. I'm downtown at the Nugget, boy. Oh, oh shit. Speaking of Nuggets, this one particular Nugget that I had to throw out there: Ronda Rousey, Kurt Angle, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon. I have got to give Stephanie her props because Stephanie McMahon taught y'all a master's class in this match on how to be a chicken shit heel. She played her role so perfectly. I, I I mean, do you disagree? I mean, my God. She, uh, yeah, and, and the match, I know some people think say, say that this was the best match on the card. I personally, I lean towards Asuka and Charlotte, but I'm not going to eat your lunch if you say this was the best match on the card. I mean, you know, it, emotionally... It was Ronda's first match. Everybody hated the authority at this particular point in time. Excellent match. Clearly, Kurt didn't have it anymore, but he played his part well. Like, this was, it was fun. No, this was a, a tremendously surprising for, I, I think the thing about this match was that you wanted Ronda to, to succeed. And you really wanted to see what she could do. And you thought, well, you know, transitioning from MMA to WWE it's going to be no big deal for her but we've seen in the past that it doesn't always work out that way but Ronda's performance was magnificent and and you know the stuff she did with Triple H getting Stephanie to tap out 
I, I would tend to agree with you, Chris, that Oscar Charlotte was the best match of the night, especially because so few of us, myself included, didn't pick Charlotte to win. We thought Oscar would beat her, take the title. Didn't see Charlotte being the one to break the streak. And again, we're going back to the rules of Vince McMahon booking here as to why this shouldn't have been that surprising, as to why Charlotte beat Oscar at the end of the streak. If you're going to have somebody beat this streak, why not Charlotte? And now hindsight being 2020, looking back, saying, yeah, that was fucking a no-brainer. This is why I didn't want Charlotte to face Oscar this year, because I'm like, I've already seen it. I know how this is going to go. I don't want to see that this time. So I'm thrilled somebody else is different going against Oscar this year. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the charlotte Oscar match was fantastic. Uh, the We come full circle with the Roman Reigns hate at WrestleMania 34, and it has never been higher than it was in this match. And, and to the point that Brock Lesnar, highly frustrated by the fans when this match was over. That's an understatement. Yeah, Brock, Brock was pissed. And uh, and the funny thing is, man, it ended you know, at thirty one. That one, yeah. But I mean, the funny thing is, when you go back and watch this match, not in the building, it's a damn good match. It really is, and it didn't deserve to get shat upon like it did by that audience. But the audience, I was pissed off coming out of that main because those two guys have great chemistry, and I think the chemistry is they're both two tough sons of bitches, and it's like, okay, we just gonna lay this shit in and beat the shit out of each other, and it works. So, yeah, I was pissed because I thought it was a damn good match, and the crowd just was totally not here for it whatsoever. They just totally poo-pooed it, and it pissed me off. It, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth at the end of this mania. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time there, but, yeah, the way it ended, I'm like, what, what are y'all doing, man? Y'all really doing this? Y'all still on this Roman shit, right? They hated it. I mean, I, I mean, 31, they were lukewarm with their hate. 32, they despised Roman. 34, like you're saying, Chris, they wanted nothing to do with this match at all. And I think it was kind of like, this is really the best that we can fucking come up with. Roman against Brock again. And Brock was even more dominant at this point in time. But I, you know, that match notwithstanding, I think you've got to talk, 34 has got to be talked about as a match on that card that might have been one of the most disappointing matches in WrestleMania history, which was AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, which just was soul crushing for so many of us who thought we were going to get Styles Nakamura from Wrestle Kingdom and we didn't get that at all and I, I still to this day don't know why we didn't get that back because both guys can still go but I don't know why they, they went and they booked it and they choreographed it differently I, I, I don't I'm still trying to figure that one out you know why we've already talked about it on this show it's the same reason Sting didn't beat Triple H because it's not Vince's product? Yeah. So. Hey, oh, oh, you're all clamoring for this over here, hey? Oh, well, here it is. It's not that great, is it? No, I guess not. That, that's Vince. Yeah, and undercutting they, his own product. If we can know for a fact that it's going to be a mania throwaway year, then I'll take it New Orleans listen, or Vegas anytime. If, if there's anybody that will cut off his nose to spite his face, it's Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And, Danny, you remember, because we talked about this, you know how hot I was at this particular point in time for Shinsuke Nakamura. That was my guy. And I went into this with such high expectations, like I think we all did. And going back and watching it, 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 it number one, it totally died in the building. I think the three of us can all agree to that, right? It totally died in the building. And going back, it's not a horrible match. 
but it, it it seems like there was another gear that it should have got to. Like you know what I mean? And they didn't get to that. It was just kind of now it's over. And maybe that was a call to go home early because it died in front of that crowd. But yeah, totally disappointed about this. And game. I'm not gonna fucking make excuses for the crowds or anything, but New Orleans Superdome goes like this, doesn't it? Straight up, and then a big round one, and then a big round one. But I think if you're gonna have America spend four, or the whole world spend four days in New Orleans and expect us to be on our toes the fourth day to cheer everybody real loud, because I'm gonna tell you I don't even remember the fucking main event. <laughs> I was rocking that weekend. <laughs> hey, that's why I'm gonna let y'all finish this conversation. Listen, they were giving. <laughs> they they were given twenty minutes. They were given twenty minutes. But I think you're missing the most important part of this WrestleMania. We have the youngest ever tag team champion of all time. I mean, it was just an astonishment what Nicholas did with Braun Strowman. I like Nicholas a lot more than most people do. Dave, I think you're going to disagree. So, number one, the crowd needed something to pick itself back up after AJ and Knock died, and Nicholas did the trick. That it wasn't got- it, brother! That was it, brother. The that was not it. Just... That killed the fucking world. We're done. That, no. that... And I know. I, I, know, I, know you, I... Man. I was like, oh, that's great. But yeah, I had two girls with chalkline NWO jerseys on, beautiful or in hell, eating hot dogs in the suite. I didn't even fuck about anything at that point. But yeah, Danny was obviously that... having a much better time than we were. Clearly. Clearly. (laughs) Like, ooh, hot dogs, brother. Limousine riding. Fuck. Dave, let let me say. You got to get in your hot dog ingredients, Dan, don't you? Yeah. Dave, let let, let me save us right quick. Shout out to Commitment. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Go ahead. Monogamy monogamy for the win. Uh, But, you know, the thing about Nicholas was, it was a fun moment, but my problem with it, and PC Tunney knows exactly what I'm going to say, is you devalue the shit out of your tag team championships when you've got Braun Strowman, one guy with a 10-year-old kid, beating a team as decorated as the bar. And this was the problem I had with the match. Was just uh, no, I, I mean, I get the Nicholas thing was fun. Great. Fantastic. Vince. And maybe Tony's right, and he will just cut off his nose to spite his face for a good cheap pop in a moment. But what the hell did you do to your tag team champions when... Basically, they lose the titles in a glorified handicap match. I hated the fucking match. It just it just rubbed me so wrong. Fun times notwithstanding, I get it. I can't wait till Nicholas gets to 18 and reclaims that title. A built-in storyline, right? So I was Nicholas, never beaten for it, goddammit. There you go, built-in storyline. So Nicholas is actually the son of WWE referee John Cone. So I just had to throw that out there, just a bonus plat fact. So that's the thing. Uh, one more thing we need to touch on before we move on. That's a platypus fact. I hadn't heard that one. That's My man. Good... The return of Daniel Bryan. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel yeah, yeah, that's gotta... a, That was a big deal, man, because... I mean, everything you go back to where he had to step away and everything he went to to get cleared. And that promo, one of the greatest promos that I've ever heard, is that one where he comes back and he says, I've been to doctor, to doctor, to doctor. And they all say the same thing you are cleared. And it was just such an amazing moment because so many of us had our hearts crushed when he had to step away. And for him to come back, I 
always, you know, and it was cool. The match that he had, you know, him and Shane teaming up against Sammy and KO. Okay, fine. Fine. You know, they had bigger plans for Daniel. They didn't need to hot shot him into anything. Um, he looked great. Shane, the obligatory Shane McMahon WrestleMania match, which persists to this day, but I'm sure we're going to get into that in a minute. But uh, I, yeah, the Daniel Bryan story was probably the high watermark of WrestleMania 34. It's crazy because I would have these conversations with a few people in the chair shot at the time and be like, Daniel Bryan could come back, right? Could you imagine if they went as far as like Edge or Christian or Paige could come back? And now three of those four have come back and another one is also looking to make a return. I mean, Danny, you, what do you think about all these comebacks and, and all the new but, technology? But, but wait, but, but before you say anything, Danny, I got to give you your props. Because when we were doing the Wrestling Happy Hour, you were persistent. You're going to steal this moment from me? I want to give you an I told you so, motherfucker. But go ahead. This is no, it. Go ahead. We're on the same brainwave. No, you go ahead. Yeah, no, I want the props, baby. I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to take the props. You earned it. Go ahead. This is your moment. You earned it. Go for it. You earned it. Hey, what I tell you? I guaranteed it, didn't I? I said, Daniel Bryan will wrestle again. And you said, not in a million years. And I hey, said, you're fucking crazy. The Nostradamus over here, huh? Yeah. You, you earned it. I had to give you your props, man. As I much appreciate as that. I love that we were on the same wavelength there, though, brother. That's <laughs> great. I love it, man. That is great. All in all, though, I did think New Orleans was a... It was an okay mania. The experience was much better. I got to meet my brother Dave in New Orleans. That was the the highlight of the, the moment for me. That and paying women to beat Danny. That was kind of cool. But... Uh, <laughs> moving right along, speaking of New Orleans, I, I don't really have a good segue here. But WrestleMania 35, it's not New Orleans, but it is new, as in the York a.k.a. Jersey, because everything that happens in New York actually happens in Jersey. Shout out to the Giants and Jets. Another marathon mania. A little controversy at the end because people couldn't get home after it. So we got to start ladies first, okay? The first mania in the history of mania is where the women actually headlined and main evented the show. I thought it was the right call. Not only was it the right call, it was the right three women, and it was the right storyline. You have the emergence of the man around SummerSlam, and Becky Lynch starts to pick up steam. She's on a collision course with Ronda Rousey. It's supposed to happen at Survivor Series, but Big Fine, a.k.a. the facebreaker, Nia Jax, gotta put a monkey wrench in the plans there, right? Only helps to get Becky over more as a certifiable badass. And because it's WWE, and honestly, I think this was always the plan before Becky caught fire, we were going to have Charlotte and Ronda at the main event at this mania, but they had to throw the queen in there. A lot of fans were felt a certain way about that. It was kind of controversial, but I think it was the right call. I, you know, I think that Becky was actually the throw in at this point. She just caught fire and they had to rock with it. Dave, what say you? Wow. That's tough because I, I remember Survivor Series was in L.A. that year. We were down there for Survivor Series. It was supposed to be Becky versus Ronda in a one-on-one -on -one match that we all wanted to have. And Becky, like Chris said, got her face broken by Nia. It didn't happen. Charlotte came in there, and 
it, I don't know what you guys gathered on the broadcast, the network broadcast that, but I can tell you at the Staples Center that day, the reaction to Ronda Rousey was 10 times worse than what it came across on the network. They turned on her, and and even, and I have nothing but respect for Ronda Rousey, but I think her reaction that night was genuine, that she was shocked and she was hurt and stunned by how bad people turned against her. And from there, you're off to the races with Becky rising in popularity at the same time. I don't know which match that they had in mind for WrestleMania 35, whether it was maybe it started at Charlotte versus Ronda. It was definitely amped up for Becky versus Ronda once Becky couldn't go at Survivor Series. I always thought it was a mistake to interject Charlotte into that match. I wanted to see, I still want to see Becky, Ronda, one-on-one. They talked so much shit to each other leading into that match. Charlotte was just there because she's Charlotte. And, it, you know, Charlotte wins LOL is a real thing right now. And it, it, I never I never wanted Charlotte in that fucking match. I wanted Becky, Ronda, one-on-one. I thought Charlotte just distracted. And fine, Becky got a pin on Ronda. If you can call it a pin, still kind of controversial. But that was my thought on the whole thing, Chris, was that I think they wanted to do Charlotte-Ronda initially, Becky caught fire. She had to pull out of that Survivor Series match, and they were trying to angle back to there. And for what reason or other, Vince just said, I can't. I, maybe he didn't think that the two of them would be enough to main event. And so once he added Charlotte, he says, now, now I got the shit. Now I can make them the main event. Fuck it. Go with it. I remember being at the Talking Stick Arena in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, it was after the Rumble, and it was Becky and Rhonda and it was the finger point to the mania I was in the house and I was shocked at the fucking booze for Rhonda like oh my gosh she really I mean to come out of the gate at 34 and blow the crowd away like you did but then come back and now you're so hated so quick it's like what the fuck that's that's a five year span in old school wrestling in a matter of months and that kind of frustrated me because I loved it and to your Charlotte point it kind of is like how I don't necessarily feel but a lot of people feel right now about Daniel Bryan like shove him in the three way you know what I mean and that's how that, that felt to me I mean I uh, the pin yeah <laughs> I mean it wasn't a pin if we're calling in the upstairs to call the pin but yeah But and I wonder what you guys think Ronda's to me, the problem with Ronda was she was too dominant. And they brought her in there, and she just annihilated everybody. It didn't matter who you put her up against. She just was tapping people out. So they were replicating her MMA career in WWE. And I think a lot of fans, which is why that night in L.A., when Charlotte started to lay into her with that kendo stick, why people jumped on Charlotte's bandwagon so quick was because it's like, yes, one of our own is beating the shit out of this fucking rookie who has no business is coming in here and jobbing out all these people like she has. Yes, get her, Charlotte. Beat her ass. I, I think, I really think looking back, thinking back that night in L.A. when everything changed, um, that's real. I really think that the fans turned against her because they took offense to the hot shotting of her. Not just the hot shotting, but the dominant hot shot that they did with her where she just destroyed everybody and nobody was getting anything in on her. It's why people wanted Becky to beat her ass. It's why they wanted Charlotte to beat her ass. 
they did a good job. I mean, whether it was intentional or not, Ronda became very hated, like you said, Danny, very quickly. And you got to give them credit for that, whether they whether they stumbled onto that or not. I think it'd be a different story if WWE could pump out a bunch of WCW Saturday nights for Goldberg to pick his streak up, like if they could do that for Ronda. But yeah, if it's on Raw every week and it's it's embarrassing in a 50-50 booking area with no jobber matches or enhancement talent or whatever you want to say in this day and age, that just doesn't work. So the match itself, number one, I thought it was cool as hell that Charlotte came out in the helicopter. It was a throwback to her dad, Ric Flair, landing the helicopter in the baseball stadium. Dave, I believe that was Great American Bash. Am I right about that? Where Which Flair... Where Flair landed on the baseball stadium in the helicopter. I think it was a throwback to. I think it was a Great American Bash. I think so. Didn't it? Didn't somebody come in on a helicopter at the last Nitro as well? I don't remember. It wasn't. Great, I, I don't it remember. wasn't Great American Bash. It was. It was. Oh fuck! It, I know what you're talking about. It was held at a like a high school it was football, a football field. field. Yes, high school football field, and I think Kiss was there as well. Oh, well, if Kiss was there, it was awesome. Just stop talking about it. Touche. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. But, um, speaking of partying, the match itself, it was meh. You know, it, I, I don't think it lived up to the expectations. I think it kind of suffered because the crowd was spent. Because, again, this, and this has been the theme during this entire show. It was another one of those mania, or excuse me, those marathon-ass manias, and the crowd was spent, because I think it was after midnight by the time these guys... Well, I left there, home, and it was 12.07. It was 12.07. I'll never forget it. It was 12.07 when I left the stadium. And that's before I got in the Uber line. That was a million miles from Monday. I mean, it was insane. I, I thought the match started off. I mean, three quarters of the match I thought was great. I mean, they weren't holding back it was very physical for the girls. They were really beating the shit out of each other. Then it gets weird at the end when, like, what is it? Like, Rhonda and Becky hip-toss Charlotte through a table, and then Charlotte's just gone. And you get the last few minutes of the match, and it's just Becky and, and Rhonda, and you finally get that moment, and then it's over before it even begins. So, I, I mean, I you know, Rhonda broke her hand in that match. I mean, legit broke her hand in that match. Um there was, uh, it was, it was a very, very physical match. I remember I loving it for the first three quarters, and then just not understanding the last twenty-five percent of it, especially the end. It's like I get the end now. Looking at it, well, you wanted to leave that sliver of a doubt so we can get Ronda back there. Well, Ronda's not coming back anytime soon, so why do it that way? If you weren't sure, why do it that way? It was fair almost, enough, fair enough. Yeah, Ronda got the Brock Lesnar treatment from WrestleMania, whatever the fuck it was, the first time with Goldberg. So before I move on, just around the horn, quick yes or no. And we'll start with you, Dan. Have we seen the last of Ronda Rousey in WWE? No, not a chance. No way. And I'm still going to hold on to my wrestling happy hour other bet. And we ain't seen Punk the last time either. But that's another story. No, we have not seen the last round of Rousey. Big Dave, what you think, man? Um, I probably agree with Danny. I'm a little, I, I will say I'm surprised she has not. I mean, I say I'm surprised, but when you look at the world, what happened last year with COVID, maybe it's not so fucking surprising, actually. But 
you know, if 37 goes off like we think, and if, if the pandemic starts to go on the decline like we're all hoping it does, then by next, by 38, when they get down to Dallas next year in that stadium, yeah, you could see her making a return there. Sure. Tony, is it unanimous? Ronda will be back. I think uh, the, 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 the return of fans will, will definitely help that along. As far as Phil goes, Phil, if you're listening, it's PC Tunney. I just want to holler at you for a minute and say I miss you. I really would love to see you in a squared circle. Whatever, you know, storyline you choose is fine with me. I just wish someone would back up that Brinks truck to your house. Uh, it's been nice talking to you again, Phil. Sincerely, PC Tunney. And if I could say, can I say something to Phil too? Phil, please unblock me. I'm sorry I called you out for going into UFC and not having a match before Brock Lesnar did. I'm really sorry about that, Phil. My most sincere apologies. Can you unblock me now, Dick? Uh, Phil, I just want to let you know, PC Tunney here again. Um, I I grew up around the Knights of Columbus in West Dallas, so I I appreciate your work, brother. Um, Hopefully I'll see you again. PPS. Hope you and AJ are doing great. It sounds like old PC Tony wants to see CM Punk in a lot more than a squared circle, am I right? Yeah, that's the vibe I was picking up on too, man. (laughs) But yeah, so yeah, but women P P P P S Phil. PC Tunney here again. Yeah, but... I still remember you and the you and the time you and Ken. Uh, well, when Ken almost broke his neck up in Green Bay. So, shout out, love you guys. Okay, cool. But yeah, the women. Shout out to the women. The match didn't click all the way for me. I agree with you, Dave. It was super physical, and they were laying their shit in, and they went for it. But they deserved to be the main event. That was the hottest storyline. Well, yeah, it was. They deserved to main event. Now, the hottest storyline, and you guys got to forgive me. You guys know I'm obviously going to be biased here. I mean, come on. Like, let's all be adults here. We all know what it is. We all know what I'm about to say as well, don't we? Just nod your head in agreement. Okay, cool. Kofi Mania! So, number one, I have to give a shout-out to Danny's boy, Mustafa Ali. Uh, Danny was the first person to really get me hip to Mustafa Ali because he watched him. Speaking of Knights of Central Columbus. Illinois. Shout out to Dreamwave Pro Wrestling in LaSalle, Illinois. Best pro wrestling there is, LaSalle style. And Mustafa Ali, sure enough. And Dave, earlier you had mentioned Juice Robinson's. I saw his last ever match at uh, Dreamwave. You said you saw him at the NXT, uh, what was it? San Jose. San Jose, yeah. So shout out to that. But yeah, Mustafa Ali, man, that was something special to see. It's like uh, if you got a hometown wrestling independent fed around you within an hour and you see the guy go from that to the big stage, I mean, that was emotional for me. But shout out to him because it was supposed to be his his time in the gauntlet. That was supposed to be his time to shine. Yeah, fuck Kofi. Hey, shut up. I he was supposed was to hit. Yeah, coming. <laughs> he, he was supposed to be the guy in the Elimination Chamber match that was going to... It was his time to get the push. Now, 
reports are to be- believe that the main event that year at Mania was well, not the main event, but the title match that year at Mania was supposed to be KO versus Daniel Bryan. But there's a saying in wrestling: "Next man up." Kofi got himself over in that gauntlet. He got over in that elimination chamber, and it just came to a fever pitch. And next thing you know, Kofi Mania is a thing. And shout out to Vince McMahon and the brass for steering into the skid, realizing that they had caught lightning in a bottle and they just decided to rock with it. Shout out to Daniel Bryan. You got to give him his props throughout this entire feud because he did everything he could to put Kofi over. He showed ass to a tremendous level and he did everything he could. Shout out to Kofi. That Kofi is literally the personification of when preparation meets opportunity you get instant success. He's the personification of that. And at the end, we had a moment. This man was only the second black man to ever hold the w- the prestigious WWE title, the most prestigious title in all of professional wrestling. And it was a moment. And the match was great. And it was just, I cried. I literally cried. I'm not even going to lie. I cried at that moment. I cried when I went back and watched it the second time that Monday. Hell, I damn near cried when I went back and watched it for Mania Madness. Like, this was just really a moment. And I I don't even know if I could really put it into words, man. And I know I love each and every one of you guys. Y'all know that. Y'all are each and every one of y'all on here are my brothers. But growing up as a black wrestling fan, it's like being in an abusive relationship. Like, you love your abuser, but you, you keep getting shat on. And there's not a whole lot of guys or girls, for that matter, that you had that you could look up to. And just to see a guy like Kofi Kingston achieve the heights of the industry, man, it's... Yeah, I can't... Somebody else say something, man. Because I I literally can't even put it into words, man. It was such a moment. And shout out to WWE for going with it. And, yeah, that's... Dude, that is... I mean, I'm going to tell you something, too. Speaking of tearing your eye, and I say fuck Kofi only because it was my boy Mustafa Ali's time, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, Chris, I was at the uh, Wale Mania the night before, and Booker T and Wale were on stage, and there was a few other... Charmel was with them and everything. And when it hit me that it was going to be such a big deal, like for our entire world our nation and everything as a people um was when he kind of paused down the music and the good times and 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 said this is and big e was it there on stage with him kofi wasn't with him but and he was like this is for the culture you know all this and it was like holy shit like this is a big thing and i did i popped so hard that night and 1207 is because i remember why because that, I mean, that was it was awesome, dude. So I understand the impact it made for you too. I know, and Dave. Go, go yeah. Go I know. I yeah, know somebody that, get here, man, because I, I can't even verbalize it, man. I know that I watched a video that um, Mike Knox put out with uh, Shad Gaspard and MVP watching the fruition of this match, and it's touching, and it it speaks a lot. And if you don't understand the sentiment we're trying to put across here you know go check out mike knox on social media it's m-i-k-e-k-n-o-triple-x shout out to mike love the guy just we, one of the best episodes we did of this thing Mad, mania madness was with mike knox and uh you can see the the genuine uh 
feelings that come through from Shad and MVP from from Shad and P, and it's just amazing. And like you said, it was lightning in a bottle, and it was somebody that I never thought would win a world championship, never, ever, ever. But like, kudos to Kofi. Like, you, I I literally watched Unforgiven today, literally. Nothing is deserved. You either get it or you don't, and he got it. And that you know, I I mean, in in the aspect of that movie and that saying from from Clint Eastwood as he's looking over gene hackman right and i don't deserve this he's nothing is deserved so good for kofi and uh it, it's, small it's one window of time man. It's, it's it's one of the best storylines leading into wrestlemania of all time dave yeah well you guys talk <clears throat> lightning in a bottle and they caught lightning bottle let's be honest they caught lightning in a bottle twice and they used the guy they caught it the first time with to push kofi to the Chris said, Daniel Bryan, shout out to Daniel Bryan. You don't get Kofi Mania without Daniel Bryan. And I honestly completely believe that. I'm not taking anything away from Kofi because he recognized what was going on. He grabbed that brass ring that Vince likes to talk about. He he went for it. Shout out to Vince for recognizing history repeating itself. But yeah, shout out to Daniel Bryan for recognizing, hey, this is yes Omania happening again and it's bigger this time because this is a cultural movement this time not just fans getting behind the underdog yeah they're getting behind the underdog but this is much bigger than that and Daniel Bryan played that perfectly and I I just don't think you get that moment without Daniel Bryan recognizing seeing the mirror image of himself in Kofi and saying here's what I've got to do to get him to this point so it was a phenomenal moment Uh, you know Definitely one of the best WrestleMania moments of all time. A great match as well. But yeah, Kofi winning the title at 35 is... Um, it, it's a phenomenal moment in every way. And, and absolutely loved it. Hated the way his reign ended. But Pre- uh, I, I loved, loved the, the match and, and, his, and him winning the title. Danny, preparation met opportunity. Yeah. And you know what? I want to give a special shout out too to... Big E and Xavier because I think they instilled a lot of confidence in that man, Kofi Kingston, to be the guy who could run like that. And because you know what I mean? Yeah, and to your sense. point, to your no, to your point, Danny, one of the biggest moments of the build to WrestleMania thirty five, that gauntlet match that the New Day had to run, and that scene with the Usos at the end. That scene with the Usos at the end where they said, We got nothing but respect for you, we forfeit. And they were the champions at the time and had this huge rivalry with New Day. And the Usos, that was one of the all-time great moments. And the New Day realizing, holy shit, we've got a shot at this thing. Um, that, everything they chills. did. It, it, absolutely. I mean, that, move, it was that, just, that moment gives me chills, man. I didn't mean to cut you off, Dave. Please continue. No, because it's just Danny mentioning, you know, mentioning Big E and Xavier and what they did. And you cannot talk Kofi Mania without that tag team gauntlet match. It started with Kofi's gauntlet match. The tag team gauntlet match was arguably more important because of the emotions involved and the stuff with the Usos at the end was just absolutely phenomenal. So, I mean, it's just a great build. So, the, the, the crazy thing is, when they first formed the New Day, Xavier and Big E, that was literally their goal. They told Kofi, we are going to turn you into a world champion. And, of course, you know, I, I don't think Kofi, but 
the power of positivity is real, man. They spoke that shit into existence. And, you know, what, four or five years later, boom, we got Kofi Mania, you know? So, I mean, that just, that whole storyline, again, man, it's hard for me to verbalize it, man. But y'all know. Y'all know what it is. Um, What else do we have to touch on here at 35? Y'all want to talk about Triple H and Batista with his last match and him tripping into the ring? That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it was an okay match. You could talk about that. I think uh, Seth Rollins beating Brock Lesnar in the in the curtain jerker of this whole thing was uh, a little bit unexpected. That was, uh, but it put it put Seth over. But by then the fans had kind of gotten sick of Seth, although they were even sicker of, of uh, <laughs> even sicker of Brock by by this point in time. But I, I think you know you got to also talk about Roman Reigns a little bit. That Roman had gone out for leukemia, had come back, took on this guy named Drew McIntyre. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, and Roman beat him. You know, so that was good. But so I'm just looking at the list. I forgot about this match until I looked at this. The Demon Finn Balor made his WrestleMania appearance and dismantled the Almighty World, Almighty WWE Champion in four minutes. So my, how quickly things have changed, huh? Oh yeah, this Mania and the next Mania that we're gonna talk about. Bobby Lashley was Mania's bitch. Yeah, so yeah, like you said, it's it, you know it's funny how you know what a difference a couple of years makes, right? Um, Shane and Miz, they tried the Miz face turn. I don't think it really clicked. Not a bad match. Weird. Miz's dad still does look weird. They had the spot at the end with they did the suplex and ultimately Shane won. But yeah, it was an entertaining match for what it was. Am I missing anything else on this card? And I'm glad, Dave, that you brought up uh, Roman Reigns. This was his return from beating leukemia. Kind of a throwaway match. I'm pretty sure we're going to get bigger matches with these two at Manias in the future. But other than that, yeah. Is there anything else I'm missing on this card? Seth Rollins beats Brock Lesnar in two and a half minutes. Yeah, Dave literally just said that like 45 seconds ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. You know, I I think the story about that. I love Heyman's thing at the beginning where he's like, "If he's not going to be in the main event, we need to get the hell out of here." So, didn't last very long. But Seth was so smart the way he did that match, attacking Brock right off the bat, before the match even began, if I recall correctly, and just steamrolled him. So, go get him, Seth. And, you know, the only way that you can possibly beat Brock Lesnar is by punching him in the balls, and he did that as well. So shout-out to Seth Rollins. And, Brock, you probably should start wearing a cup, brother. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. But moving along to a WrestleMania Monday Night 30... Messiah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, no worries. No worries. Moving right along to WrestleMania 36. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. That. What else to say? WrestleMania 36. Ugh. I mean... Look, look before you... I mean... Tony knows this. When we did the Swaggy Awards at the end of the year, the, WrestleMania 36 was my biggest disappointment of 2020. Was WrestleMania 36? Mine and is not the. And it's not because 36. Of, it's not exact, COVID. It's, no, not COVID. Because this is impacted by COVID. But it, it's not because the card is bad. Because the card is fine and it's good. It is just. And we're going to talk about it. I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about it because it's it's a tough one to talk about, but. When you look at what happened, you you mentioned COVID. Nothing. This is the poster child for the impact of COVID. Is WrestleMania 36? You want to see what this did to the world? 
Look at what it turned WrestleMania into. A two-night empty arena affair at the fucking WWE Performance Center. That's what COVID did to WrestleMania and the world. And go ahead, PC. I know because we've talked about this numerous times. Well, and now we're stuck with two nights for fuck's sake. I mean, like, I... Maybe. But but then again, but you listen to stuff we've talked about here in these marathon WrestleManias where the fans don't have energy at the end. Does a two night WrestleMania perhaps remedy that? I don't want to go. There is. I, I don't want to go back. There. And, yeah, and that's a problem. Like I, it's the same shit I've been preaching for the last half a fucking dozen years. Why does everybody have to be on every fucking pay per view card? It's not special anymore. There's nothing special about what's happening. There really isn't. The only thing that's special about what's happening this week is that all this shit is lined up in a row. You're not... It's 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 become a soap opera to the ultimate degree. There is never storyline advancement. It's always baiting you to tune into the next time. There's no build anymore. There's way too much. It's oversaturated. You talk about NFL adding a 17th game. It's all about the money. It's ridiculous because you have so many things happening in between that you can't get a decent build. Look at what happened between Bianca and Sasha, right? Coming into this year. It's just, it's out of hand. The only good moment from last year's WrestleMania, and I'll let you guys talk about it, is when Drew McIntyre looked into the camera and talked to the fans after he won his first world championship. So, obviously, the best. No, the best part of 36 was John Cena in a fucking NWO shirt. Now, let me just play something for you to kind of sum up my mood. Come on, those cinematic matches. You didn't so, tell me you were kind of blown away by oh that. No, I, that, that I was. The, no, so not what, the Cena one. Taker, AJ, yes. Cena, well, all right. Gray, well, either and, way then. Wait, wait a second, wait a second, gentlemen. We're going to get to that, I promise. I just want to set the table here a little bit, man, before we get into all of that. Again, WrestleMania 36 down in Tampa. I was supposed to be there, had the tickets, had the hotel, had the plane tickets. We were all there. And everything was shut down. So, at the very least, I appreciate WWE for trying to at least provide us with some sort of entertainment. I appreciate them doing that, too. But did they have to call it WrestleMania, Chris? Because that was not... That was not WrestleMania. That was my biggest complaint about it. Is like this. You could have called it anything. You could have called it Super Awesome House Show or something like that. But when they slapped the WrestleMania logo on there and said, this is WrestleMania two nights, I'm like, bullshit. That is not WrestleMania. Well, could you have well, called well, it well, Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun? You could have. You could have called it anything you wanted. You could have called it, you know, shitting in a bucket and seeing what happens. And that would have been superior to calling it WrestleMania. But No, come on, man. We all spent the whole week going, we're in our fucking house. We're fucked. There's a pandemic. At least we get two nights of something. That's how I felt, at least. Two nights of something, exactly. But it wasn't WrestleMania. Two nights of something mania? Should we call something, it that? There you go. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> COVID hey, mania. Two nights of something mania, number one. COVID mania or something. Shit. COVID mania. So, <laughs> so 
We got to talk about uh, there's only a couple of matches I really want to talk about on this card. I just wanted to kind of put in perspective where the hell we were as a society. And I appreciate they tried going back and watching this. I was a lot more pumped for it when it was happening, but going back and watching it is just weird, especially since they've come up with this Thunderdome concept. It's just weird watching these matches with no fans with no sound and they're still going through the motions like they're still playing to the crowd and shit like that during their entrances and during the matches and stuff it's just weird right <laughs> Tony, I gotta pull the curtain back Tony's taking me. shout out to Dave the only sober guy I had a drink earlier but that was hours ago so, me too I had a drink earlier too I just yeah, like but three no, seconds you're right, ago but you're right when you watch this back and you look at it and it's just it's just yeah, I mean, I think we're spoiled now by Thunderdome, which is going to be a far cry from what we get this weekend. But still, you're right. It's just like, it is just the oddest thing in the world to see that WrestleMania big thing up there and a teeny tiny little fucking arena and no fans, no interaction. You can hear everything. You can hear them calling spots in the ring. You can hear everything that they're saying to each other. It, it's and it's It just takes you out of the moment so much. And there's nobody who does, but I mean, it's wrestling's always been a representation of our time. And in 10 years, we're going to go, what the fuck was 2020? You know, looking back going, look at this. Look at this. Or, you know, kids will be on YouTube going, look at that. There's no fucking fans there. What the fuck? You know, you talk about that and you talk about the evolution of what we've done, right? This is part six of what we've been doing. And Dave, you've been a huge part about it. And Danny, like, I love all the stories you're telling today. You've been like a breath of fresh air right into this podcast. It's been amazing. And we opened with LL Cool J talking about how it's a different world. And it's a different time. And Dave and Chris, you know, throughout these episodes, we've talked about the evolution of social media and connectivity. And we get to the end of this journey and we're more connected than ever. And that has to play a part in how wrestling can tell its story, right? I mean, this is for so long has been a story told by, you know, back alleys and things of that nature, whereas it's not so upfront, right? You don't necessarily know what's going on. You just hear the big picture. And now the curtain's been pulled back and the fans are more important than ever and, and, and more louder than ever in everything that's going on. And is it better? I don't know, but it's bigger. That's for sure. Touche. That was well said, Tony. So getting into it, night one, I think there's really only thing, only one thing we need to talk about, and that is the Boneyard match between AJ Styles and The Undertaker. This was the... What's the word I'm looking for? This was the impetus for the cinematic matches, which at this point in time, I think they've been done to death. Some are better than others, but I think they've all been done to death. Great send-off for The Undertaker. Dave, am I wrong? Compared to 33, this was phenomenal. I mean, and this is this is why... Pun intended. Look at it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you When you look at this match and think of what they could have, you know, the stuff they could have still done. Unmute, pop. Uh, it was um, it was a perfect send off for him. I mean, you got to see him in this American badass persona, still having his dead man powers, dealing with AJ Styles, dealing with the Good Brothers before they got released. And I I I mean, this was by far and away the gimmick match of the year. I called it. 
uh, damn near the match of the year, even though there wasn't much of a match to it. But it was just fun. You had the Metallica stuff going on in the background. It was a, it was an excellent, excellent moment for Taker. And I mean, the interaction with him and AJ was absolutely priceless. No, man, I'm not going to bury you. I'm not going to bury you. And then he buries him. So literally buries him. It was it was fantastic. Loved that cinematic match so much. Um, I, I I mean, and the thing is, honestly, this is the one place where the pandemic probably helped because had that been AJ Taker at Mania like it was supposed to be in front of the fans, I don't think we got a match anywhere close to that good. I totally agree with that. Danny, get in here. Keep it to night one, though. We're going to get to night two. No, I agree with you. And, and Dave, you had mentioned uh, hearing all the spots in the earlier in-ring matches, it really benefited the Undertaker AJ cinematic match. You know, they're going, oh, I'll watch my rib. Oh, I'm going to put you down, Undertaker. You know, it felt like a cheap LAPD TV show type thing. But it was excellent as far as that goes. And, you know, I'm out here telling you, I love the cinematic shit. It, 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 I, I can escape to it like a comic book or a Raw or a SmackDown or watching WrestleMania 3. You know what I mean? So the other, the only other thing I wanted to say about night one was it was um, the continuation. Well, actually, it was the beginning of Baron Corbin's killing spree. Because remember, he he killed Elias a couple of weeks before this on SmackDown, and then next month he he throws Ray and I believe it was AJ Styles off the top of building. So Car- Corbin was just out here Alistair, killing. Alistair Black. 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 Killing man. That's just what he do apparently. Great ad on Ray. Thank you, sir. I'm the other black guy. But moving on to night two. <laughs> you know what I meant. Night two. I know what you. I knew exactly what you meant, motherfucker. That's why I no sold it. Moving on to night two. I, first and foremost, I got to talk about. I guess there were two polarizing matches on this night, but we're gonna talk about the Firefly Funhouse, Danny. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. You got to remember, this was uh, the not the height, but the beginning of quarantine. Zoom was still huge, so we're Zooming, watching WrestleMania with Amber's sister down in Florida, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. We had been drinking. I had to go back and watch it the next day even to pick up on everything that was going on. Personally, Danny, I love it. I understand why it was so polarizing. I, I can understand why people didn't like it, but I loved it. Go in. Well, listen, no one likes staring, sitting on their toilet and staring at the shower curtain unless you're on mushrooms. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what that match felt like. It was a psychedelic vision of something weird that we've never, ever, ever seen in pro wrestling before. And how many times, as wrestling fans, can we talk about things we've never, ever, ever seen before in wrestling? So maybe that's why it pops so hard. Maybe it's like the Requiem for a Dream production style weird fucking shit going on. But I popped for it. I really did. I thought it was excellent. And I'm a brain mark, so that might be part of it. And Dave, to be fair to what to Danny's point, man, between the four of us, we've probably got what damn near a hundred years of watching wrestling between us, and it is rare where you see something that you've never seen before. But Firefly Funhouse, man, what say you? Uh, kind of like you, I'm not sure what the hell it was or what I was watching or exactly, you know, exactly who really won. 
I guess the Fiend won. I, I mean, that that's the only thing. You, yeah, he did. He pinned him at the end. But I, it, you know, it was it was a different take on the whole thing. That's for sure. It was a, 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 a when you compare it to the Taker AJ match, this was a certainly a, more of a flying by the seat of your pants kind of thing. But you know, kudos to John Cena for really burying himself a lot in this entire segment. And, and I think that was the part that stuck out to me. The the, the the stuff with the Fiend was just whatever. But John Cena stole that match, even though he lost. Everything he did was was funny, showed his range, um, and and I, I enjoyed that part of it. I just was like, what the fuck is going on here? Too much for my liking. That's to your here. point, though, know. Cena did go out on a limb and really played a fun. I mean, he, he was fun about it. You know, you hear stories about the old WCW guys and NWA guys. We're not going to do this. We got reasons we're not doing this now, you know. And, I mean, they brought some of it full circle. Like You guys, I'm sure, last week talked about Cena and Bray Wyatt at 30, where a lot of people think Cena buried Bray's push at that point in time, and Bray's never really gotten that back. And this was kind of like an attempt by John to maybe make amends for that. Like, maybe he recognized, yeah, this is one guy I probably shouldn't have pushed so hard to go over. Um, so, in a small way, maybe he was trying to get payback to Bray a little bit, but I'm not so sure about that. Let's uh, dive into a current storyline. Because nobody out pizzas the hut. Is there a possibility that Bo Dallas is the new Fiend and we'll see Bray Wyatt also return at WrestleMania this year? Don't get me started on that, man, because where do you go? You just blew Brady my... Orton, I, what, I'll pit, why, are you pissed off that you don't think anybody can out Pizza the Hut, Chris? Is that why you're mad? No. Oh, you're talking about Brady, the Fiend. Sorry. Brady Orton does... I thought, I, thought you were, I thought you were talking about Pizza Hut. My bad. No, I thought Bo Dallas doesn't... got traded to the Panthers with Sam Darnold. Isn't that what that's happened? That's hilarious. No? Oh, sorry. That's hilarious. That's, that's great, by the way. But, I mean, Randy Orton, you done burned this man's house down. You done burnt him to a crisp. You you tried to kill my woman. I burnt you. And we're just going to settle this with a catch-as-catch-can wrestling match. <laughs> None of this makes sense to me, sir. I don't know what's happening. Oh, really? Kind of like uh, putting the boss's daughter on a cross in 1998? I mean, it's the same shit. Let the kids have their moment, Christopher Redwine. <laughs> he set him on fire. He burnt this house down. He tried to kill his woman. <laughs> you ever seen the uh, of his dog or something? You ever seen anybody who lives on fucking Elm Street? You think they've ever been burnt? So we're going to solve this issue Ray with a Kruger, small package. We're going to solve this. Kingston Cinema Match at 37. I'll be there, baby. So we're going to solve this issue with a small package in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. That's what we're going to do. I, That's I how we're going to solve it. I don't know if they'd introduce a triple partner such as Paul's package. I don't even know what the hell you said, but Edge and Randy Orton, speaking of motherfuckers that burn people. <laughs> and Broken Skull IPAs are hitting hard on PC Tunny up there. <laughs> you never heard of Paul Smackage before? Paul Smackage. Oh, yeah, good buddy of mine. Yeah, I've heard of Paul smacking it, but Listen, I wasn't right outside Madison, doesn't he, Paul Tunney? 
Randy Orton just, Edge. Just, just remember, folks, it is a Monday night, so the drunkenness is really kind of uh, kind of fun on a Monday night. No football. Yeah, it, it, until Tuesday morning comes. But Rez, Edge and Randy Orton. In the real estate world is kind of my Saturday and Sunday, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, I feel like I like this match a lot more than most people just because I really got into the storyline. Was it too long? Could they have shaved seven to ten minutes off of it? Okay, maybe so. But I really enjoyed this match, man. What say you? I love this match. I, I don't understand the fucking people like Meltzer and Brian Alvarez who just shit all over this thing. It's too long. It's this. It's that. The other. I love the match. I thought, you know, this is what you needed to. With everything that had gone on leading into this match, you almost needed a match of this length to tell. Okay, maybe not 36 minutes. Maybe 26 minutes would have been fine. But I don't fault them for that. They pulled out a lot of stuff. They did a lot of cool things. They played on the emotions of what was going on really well. And that took some time to build. So you have a very personal issue here between Edge and Randy Orton in a last man standing match. One of the better ones that I've seen. Um, yeah, sure. You can say it, it went too long. I, I, I don't begrudge you that. But I never had a problem with the match. I mean, if it was like last man standing matches, we've said before, are hit and miss. And this was one of the better ones. And at least it wasn't some 10-minute fuck fest where just nothing matters. You know, at least they took the time to build the story. Maybe they took too long. But I, I, I'm willing to give them a pass on this one. So, Danny, I want to get you in here, man. But real quick, let me set the table a little bit. So, like I said, we were watching this mania, Amber and I, on Zoom with her sister down in Jacksonville. So, right before this match came on, we explained the storyline, everything that was going on. Edge's been gone for 10 years. He's back now. Him and Randy Orton, you know, they rode up and down the roads together. They were friends. He RKO'd his wife. He tried to destroy his career, and now they're having this match. So between Hard our selling. explanation... But, yeah, but between our explanation and then the video package, which you know, nobody does that like the WWE, she was here for it, and she was into it. And she's not a wrestling fan whatsoever, but she was into it. And the whole 37 minutes that this match lasted, she was into it. So, I mean, isn't that really the point? Is that what we're doing here is trying to tell stories? Yeah. I Listen, I'm, I'm all for I understand and respect and love the old school point of thought that squared circle, ring, none of this crazy stuff. But we're storytelling here, and I think – to be a wrestling fan as an adult is you always got to keep your mind open and think about when you were a kid and the crazy stuff you saw then Jake biting Macho Man's arm shit like that you know that's in a fucking match of box never happened in boxing Jake Snake's snake never bit Macho Man's arm in professional boxing so it's just grain of salt type feel enjoy it escape from it so i'm glad to hear that she enjoyed it as kind of a what would you say a passerby fan or whatever not even that man i don't even think she would qualify as a novice just a well she's been to a mania so we got to give her that unfortunately it was 32 that's why we haven't gotten her back to one since then <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like the pops <laughs> so one more thing 
Shout out to Charlotte Flair and the delicious Rhea Ripley. They had a hell of a match. If we're talking about strictly in-ring performances, I I feel like this was the match of last year's Mania. So I had to give those women their props. I felt they deserved it. Yeah, agree. That was a that was a good match, and and I like the build. I mean, they did everything they could to put NXT over as strongly as possible and make that title mean something. And then it went away. Thank you, AEW. Yeah, that's what happened. So. Right, and I'm not, and Chris will attest to this. I just, uh, I love women and I love wrestling, but I don't always. I'm not always a fan of the women's wrestling, but. That Rhea Ripley, she's something else, man. I can get behind that all day. And not, no pun intended with that line. God damn. But you, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tallest five foot eight woman ever. Is she five foot eight? Well, maybe I could date her then. Fuck. Uh, well, well that, on that note. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with some plat facts some MVPs and we're going to wrap up Mania Madness here. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. ChairShot Network. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. He knows I absolutely positively hate that drop, and that's why he throws it on there, just to piss me off, ladies and gentlemen, just so that you know. But wrapping it up here on Mania Madness, we're going to get into a few Platts facts. I guess these are the last Platts facts, and it's sad that everything's coming to an end. So, Batista versus Triple H. Originally, it was slated for WrestleMania 31. Unfortunately for WWE, that was the same year that Guardians of the Galaxy came out. It blew up and made like a kajillion dollars. And let's just say Big Dave's schedule got a little more packed after that, right? Ha! Yeah, it did. Drax is strong. Pop. Okay, cool. Daniel Bryan was the first person in history to win a world tag title, an intercontinental title, and a world heavyweight title at Manias, and he did them in succession. He won the tag titles, the tag title match at 29. Obviously, he won the world title at 30, and then he won his ladder match for the IC belt at 31. So, yes, yes, yes. Yes? This is an interesting one. Paige. Everybody knows Paige. Everybody loves Paige. She was the first wrestler to compete at a WrestleMania that was born in the 90s when she competed at WrestleMania 31. She tagged with AJ Lee, I believe, at that show. 
So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it made me feel old AF. Yeah, Except get in line, man. Get in line. No, I'm I'm right behind you, bro. Literally, I'm I don't right think behind you're gonna, I don't think you're going to catch me, buddy, but go on. Yeah, except for Greg Maddox and Xavier Woods. Let me hear you, Wisconsin. Woo! The thoughts and opinions of Dan Cor- Danny Hardcore Hudman do not necessarily represent those of Chairshot Radio or the Chairshot Radio Network or Mania Madness. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31. This I thought this was kind of interesting, guys. I'm going to let y'all marinate on this for a minute was the first man to win a WWE championship at Mania who was actually younger than WrestleMania's. So he won the belt at WrestleMania 31, and at the time, he was 29. He's the only one who's ever done that? I mean, that makes that that moment a little bit... um, I mean... Obviously, that's not going to be the case now as the WrestleMania numbers get larger on one end and right. the guys at the other end stay relatively young. But but he'll be the first. That's you interesting. Look, you never forget that one got first. me. That's interesting. You never forget your first, Thank right, Chris? <laughs> I'm trying to forget my first day, but that's neither here nor there. So moving right along. <laughs> Shout out to some of you. Um, <laughs> you so, gave her name. Awesome. <laughs> Can you guys name the three guys that currently in the history of Manias have won at least 10 Mania matches? Undertaker, Edge, Jake, and um, Triple H. No, Triple H hasn't won 10. It's Undertaker, it's uh, it's Edge, and it's uh, shit. Okay, so last it was Hulk Hogan. It, it oh, was Hogan. Taker. No, no, it was Taker. It was seen. It was uh, Triple H, and there there's you one. Go. Oh, Cena! Bitch. Cena, you said it. You fucked up. Ed yeah, what, I one nine. Said, yeah. So say it again. Undertaker, Triple H, and John Cena. Those are the only men or the only competitors to Ed? win at least ten WrestleMania. Hey, matches. how about that? I stumped the buoy. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> Where were you there? Uh. That's hilarious. And add on to that. So, obviously, Taker has the most Mania matches. Triple H is second in that. Plus, Triple H is on record for having the most Mania losses. So, I know uh, there's a a big contingent of the IWC that tries to say that Triple H buries people. However, the stats at WrestleMania don't necessarily back up that assertion. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I can't believe Edge He's hasn't won 10 because he has the second longest streak next to Undertaker. Yeah, that's great, but he also missed 10 years, sir. I understand. I know what I call Yeah. <laughs> Moving right along. So, WrestleMania 33 in Orlando was the first WrestleMania on record that didn't have an appearance by the legendary Howard Finkel. Like now, granted, you know, he wasn't always the announcer but anytime they announced the hall of fame people he was the guy that did that 33 was the first time he didn't do it and obviously he transitioned recently and he's no longer with us so r.i.p to the legendary fink jeff hardy got his first win at a wrestlemania at wrestlemania 33 the ladder match which him and matt returned to the company and yeah that was his first wrestlemania win 
So this one, this is interesting to me, and I, I think you guys are going to pop about this one. So Bill Goldberg in 2016 wrestled five matches but didn't even wrestle 10 minutes the whole time. <laughs> he wrestled a total of nine minutes and 54 seconds. Hey, and he fucking got the most money out of us fanboys, too, I guarantee you, over that time period. He hey, said, see me, boy. I'm Bill Goldberg. Oh, so he did, uh, he he was a buck 26 at Survivor Series. And I'm, I'm fudging the numbers a little bit, 2016, that run that he came back with. So he did a buck 26 at Survivor Series with Brock Lesnar. He was in the Royal Rumble match for a total of 3 minutes and 21 seconds. He had that 22 second main event at Fastlane versus KO. And Tony? Tony was there. And then his match with Brock Lesnar at 33 lasted a total of 4 minutes and 45 seconds. So it wasn't even 5 matches. It was 4. But it brought his total to a whopping number of nine minutes and 45 seconds. Shout out to Berg. Keep getting them goddamn checks. That's all yeah. I got to say about that. Clearly, you are not working by the hour, my friend. Nice Jewish boy like him. I can relate to him. You get him, Bill. Oy vey. <laughs> Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 33. It was the first world title match in which both combatants were third-generation wrestlers. Okay, cool. Charlotte Flair. I'll say versus... yeah to that. Yeah, it's the plat back, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how these work. Plat Goldberg is also the only WWE Hall of Famer to ever defend a world title at a WrestleMania in his 36 match against Braun Strowman. Charlotte Flair has never had a Mania match in which she did not compete for a world title. Now, granted, we're recording this on a Monday night. We didn't get to see Raw. Perhaps that streak continues. We don't know what's going to happen with that match. But as of right now, yeah, every single Mania match she had, she competed for a world title. Don't any of you fucking spoil that for me, BTW. That's what I'm doing after this. Looking right now, Tony. Don't yeah. I'm texting you. Don't, don't spoil Dave, AJ. Tony, I got it. No, Dave. No, no, no. Dave and I have a history on this. Tony. Don't spoil AJ Styles winning the championship in London, Dave, for me. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not. Now, th for the this record, I've got a DVR on YouTube TV. I'm hitting play after this and hoping tomorrow's Sunday, not Tuesday. <laughs> Pop, that's funny. It's Tuesday. Now, this one hits close to home because you all know I have an affinity for this particular superstar. But Sasha Banks, the boss. Never won a Mania match. The S word. The Good. S word. You shut your you shut your goddamn mouth, Hudman. I kid, I kid. So this block, every single Mania from this block, thirty-one to thirty-six. There's a title match, and when I say title match, I mean either world title or universal title. Every single mania 
has either a world title or a universal title match in which Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar was a combatant. Mind blown, right? Okay, cool. Last but certainly not least, can you gentlemen name the announcer who has the record for announcing the most WrestleManias? Tony Chomo. Michael Cole. Close. Mike's close, but not quite. I'll give you 15 seconds. I gave you my guess. And it was wrong, sir. Uh, it's uh, Lillian Garcia. What was Garcia. your guess, Chuck? It's Lillian I'm Garcia. I, wanted, I was going with the rated R superstar, uh, but I'll say Lillian for Garcia. For most guests, for most announced manias? Yes. The, You're the, talking the, about being announced? No, no, no. I'm talking about play-by-play. I'm talking oh, about play-by-play. Oh, play-by-play. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, Bobby the Brain. No, it's it's Jr. Jr. I, th- I thought Michael Cole for sure. Jerry the Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler. J- Jerry the Lawler. <laughs> like that? It is Lawler. It's Lawler. No, it's not. And he's on the MIPAs, boys. Slang in his words. <laughs> you were close with Cole. Cole is second. Cole has announced 19 manias. The leader in the clubhouse. Spanish announcer, oh, Carlos that's, Cabrera. Okay, that, 25. That's yeah. not, that's yeah. not, okay, so it's Cole. Fair enough, trick question no. ass mother. It's yeah, not a trick question. You. Yeah, Dan, no. Yeah, three to one. Anybody. Three to one, you're full of shit. Well, it's Platt's facts, and it's my show, so you can all blow me. That being said, Real quick, we're going to get to the MVP here. Gentlemen, we didn't put out a poll this week, you know, situations and circumstances. I only got three candidates this week. Roman Reigns, he's obviously got to be up there. The first guy since Hogan to main event four consecutive WrestleManias. And frankly, at by 31, he's the straw that stirs the drink. You also got to throw Brock Lesnar in there, who was his dance partner for a couple of those. And the match with Goldberg, that was a big deal. He main evented last year's Mania against Drew McIntyre. That was a big deal as well. Last but certainly not least, the women. Just think of where we're, we've come from WrestleMania 31 through them main eventing 35. In my opinion, they had the best matches at 32, at 34, whether you think it's uh, uh, Asuka or Charlotte or the mixed tag, which included Ronda and Stephanie. They may have been 35, and then again, I think they had the best traditional wrestling match at 36 with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. So, Danny, I'm. This is. I should not have done this in this order, and please yep. forgive me. Come on, karma. baby. But I gotta say that this block of WrestleManias, the MVP is the women. Just considering how far they've come and where we're at right now, and now women are viable draws in this industry. Look, I love Sarah Silverman, but I'll never love her stand-up. I can't relate to it. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be chauvinistic or nothing. But the the if I could do the top moment in the last five, it'd be the pops, baby. It'd be the pops. The moments. Which Maybe, we discussed yeah. about 32. 
So I'm going with that. You're going with the women. I'm going with the pops. Maybe the pops should have been in that MVP conversation. Big Dave, what say you, man? What's your MVP of or who or what is your MVP of Mania's 31 through 36? The uh, women collectively is a really strong choice just to see where they've come from. I'd probably give it to Brock very narrowly because of just what he has meant. I mean, he's been the anchor. Everybody who goes up against Brock gets that big push. You look at two matches with Roman that were, you know, they were what they were. You don't get the Seth Rollins cash in without Brock. You don't get the uh, Dean Ambrose, that match, whatever. Okay, that's fine. Goldberg versus Brock, you look at that. You look at um, Seth Rollins, you make Seth Rollins more relevant. I I mean, one of the biggest disappointments of WrestleMania last year was the fact that Drew was going to go over him, but he did it with nobody there. So, I, I like to call us the women collectively. I, I think it's kind of like, well, you're just taking a whole group and saying they're collectively an MVP. But if you're looking at one individual person, I'd give it to Brock. He's our Andre, man. He's our Hulk. He's our time. He's this Tony, time. Tony, what say you, sir? Dave hit it on the nose. And I brought it up at the end of last Mania Madness is – we set Brock up to be the guy to set everybody else up. Him ending the streak puts him in this place of, you know, upper echelon untouchableness. And and he's the reason why we tuned in because his reign, him and Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman is just amazing, BTW. But yeah, it, it's Brock, 100%. He's the reason y'all tuned in. He's, he's the main event. It's it's the same reason that heavyweights are the biggest draw in UFC or boxing is the same reason Brock Lesnar is the biggest draw in WWE. He won the fucking belt in UFC, man. This guy's a showcase. I, I, I wish I had my answer back so I could say Brock Lesnar. It's Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I can't argue that I'm still going to go with the women, but I obviously I can't argue Brock here. Folks, I I hope you all have had as much fun listening as we've had doing this. Not just this episode, but this whole series. I've had a ball doing this. Danny, my brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. Like I said, I threw the plat signal out there, and you responded. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Let the good folks know where they can find you and everything you got going on, sir. Oh, man, if you're living in Illinois, come get a house from the People's Realtor, baby. Why don't you follow me on Instagram, DannyBoy316. That's easy. Just replace the Y with an I, baby. DannyBoy316. D-A-N-N-Y-B-O-I 316. I don't post a whole lot, but, man, Chris and I ain't seen each other in a long time. We've been to Manias together. We've been through wars together, I mean, in this game. And uh, it's just a pleasure to see you again. And... Tony, man, I ain't seen you forever. And Dave, I already feel like I got a new best bud. <laughs> and that's a shoot right there, man. You guys are fucking awesome. And I really do, from the bottom of my heart, hope we can do this again. I'm going to Tampa. I'd love to get you guys, you three, back together with me. And I'll tell you the whole story about Tampa when I get back. Let's do um, it. I'm okay. sure you will. And, and okay. I'm sure there's going to be a story. Yes, we're we definitely going to do this again. Dave, my brother, thank you for coming on too, man. Let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on. Danny, just remember to wear a mask, socially distance yourself, 
sort of some sometimes but hey fully vaccinated baby i'm going in deep i'm snorting coronavirus once i land <laughs> i'm kidding everybody wow. powder coronavirus this is going to be a good time and, and i hope everybody listening to this episode at some point is as drunk and has drank as much as danny and pc tunny have during this episode so you know that's that's all i gotta say if you want to find me on twitter it is at attitude agg at attitude agg and on facebook.com slash attitude of aggression and remember send all your hate tweets to at it's me dpp yeah fucking a at it's me dpp don't worry chris i got this uh you can follow me at pc tunny i want to literally thank everybody for listening to chair shot radio network there are so many great shows on there and i hope you just dive into it sports entertainment and sports entertainment we got you covered head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot Pick yourself up a t-shirt. Makes a great gift. I guarantee it. And thechairshot.com. Everybody there, the writers, the podcasters, it's it's really a special thing that's happening. Jump on board right now because uh, we're hitting shit out of the park. And, yeah, Tony said it great. Before we wrap this up, man, I, I want to thank everybody that has contributed to this series since we've been doing it. Danny, thank you. Uh, shout out to DPP, Adam Belaz, Aesop Mitchell, Mike Knox, Ray Cash, Darren Kirby, aka Mags. Dave, thank you so much, man. Your knowledge and frankly, your impeccable memory. Because one of the reasons that this show takes so long to produce, man, because I've got to go back and research, and it's shit that I just totally forgot about. It's like, oh shit, I forgot that happened. Or, oh shit, I forgot this happened. Your knowledge and your impeccable memory, man. You've been riding shotgun with us this whole time, man. And and from the bottom of my heart, I sincerely thank you for coming along on this journey with us. Um, I don't think I've forgotten anybody. Danny, thank you as well. Tony, my brother. This has been a labor of love. It, it really has, man. And, you know, we've had some uh, differences behind the scenes, but it wasn't anything big. The bottom line is both of us were passionate about this project, and we knew that if done correctly and if we put in the work that this had the opportunity to be something special and brother i feel like we hit out the park man and quite frankly i couldn't have done any of this without you so seriously thank you most importantly you the listener thank you all for listening and especially the ones of you that reached out to me and let me know that you were enjoying what we were doing from the bottom of my heart, sincerely, I thank each and every one of you. I love each and every one of you. And stay tuned because it's only going to get greater later. And I'm glad that you all enjoyed this. And please, this is timeless. So go back and listen to this every now and again. It's absolutely timeless. But thank everybody involved. Point blank, period. And stay tuned because we've got a lot more coming here at thechairshot.com. And frankly, well... Guess I'll see you all in 2027, man, when we break down WrestleMania's 37 through 41. <laughs> for the panel tonight, for Danny Hardcore Hubbard, for Big Dave Ungar, for the Commissioner PC Tutty, for everybody involved with this show, I am Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt. Thank you all for tuning in to Mania Madness. Until next time, shalom. We'll see you down the road. Go ahead, pop off, me and my click put on. I'm like a young McMahon, I'm here to get your bitch off. Woo!
like I'm Ripley. Little finger to the big boss, man, aka police. Guess I'm over your head like guitars. Kill these niggas, that's no problem. Chill, these niggas want no problem. That chopper body like corn swaggle. Can't see you shot them like Sin Car. Roll it up with that shit loud. It ain't mine if that shit not. Ladies hate when I rip rude, but they in love with this Jake. It's like now, say hello to my python. I'm seeing punk with that mic, y'all. She go to sleep as my pipe bomb. Winning, plus I be hurting feelings. Niggas is Curtis Axe, so my rap is like Kurt Hennig. And then, don't it? I'm such a charmer. Come crown Vic. Not talking whip, I'm thinking lawless. Cause I'm royalty. But we talking cars, it's not a problem. Just bought two big bodies, call them Kamala and Umaka. Why the? You're talking to the black guy. My gang real, but I ain't it. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.